Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask out of all my prayer. I just like the sound. Podcast like it's 1989. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1989. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1989. Baby fish mouth. Baby fish mouth. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1989, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1989 from a boat here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phil Iskow. And with us today is Joe Reed from the uh, This at Oscar Buzz podcast from Primetimer. What's up, um, guys? <laughs> hey, Joe. Thank you for joining us. Joe, yeah. I have a question. Yes. Oh, it's got right out of the gate. Yeah, I'm into it. About, right, I'm ready. About Primetimer. Yes. Is Norbert Weiss real? I, I honestly, he might not be. He might just be like an AI that uh, we've sort of tapped into for, uh, yeah. Norman does his own sort of like little section of the site. I am very sort of like siloed into my own like features thing, but like, yeah, he's a machine, man. Like, I don't know if I mean that literally, but I don't know if I don't mean that literally. Cause I used to, I used to, you know, go to tv tattle all the time sure, yeah like norman yeah. weiss said it was it was always so funny because it's an aggregator yes. and he does he does no editorial comment whatsoever but he put his name out front so and and you know norman weiss he sounds he sounds like my my grandparents friends yeah. oh yeah he sounds like an old school entertainment reporter yeah yes sure. yes he's, he yeah. sounds like he's you know dead vista del mar so yeah. <laughs> uh uh all right, that's my question about primetime that's a site that I yeah. that I frequent and like very much. And I, I anybody Thank who's you. into television should do the same. So yeah. I have a, a dead calm question for you, Joe, because we we, yes. we went back and forth a little bit about films that you were gonna come on for. Yeah. Um and 
you brought this up, which was a film that I kind of forgot existed. And I don't say that in a, in a derogatory sense. Sure, sure, Because sure. I, I did see it when I was younger, um, but it, it kind of disappeared from my mind a little bit. Yeah. Um, and when you brought it up, I was like, oh, right, of course. Like, I remember that film, Nicole Kidman, right. Sam Neill, you know, Philip Noyce, all of that. Right. Um, and I guess my question to you is sort of, did you see it back then? Why was this sort of one of the films that you picked and does it hold so, up for you? Yeah, I was thinking about this as I was watching yesterday. There's a very good chance that Deadcom was the first R-rated movie I ever saw, cool. which is oh. why partially why it sticks out in my head. I I didn't see it, obviously, in the theater. I was um, nine when it came out in, mm-hmm. uh, in theaters. Was but I. <laughs> um, I think around the time I was like, I couldn't have been more than like, 11 or like maybe 12 years old and i was my parents had like gone uh out of state for a wedding and so i was staying with my aunt and my grandparents and my aunt and like the neighbors uh two doors down we all like decided we're going to do a movie night and so we went to the video store and we wanted to pick out something scary and nobody all we really were going off of was the video box which was a great poster it's a great poster with Mm -hmm. like nicole kidman sort of her her face (laughs) half submerged and the sky is very like threatening and the sea is very threatening and it's all like blood red and i'm like my aunt was a huge tom cruise fan at the time she was like big like cocktail and like that whole sort of like era and so i'm sure she knew who nicole kinnon was just from like being married to tom cruise but none of us really had any idea what the movie was about and so that was the movie that we watched and i think because of the title i was expecting something and i was like kind of a scaredy cat kid anyway so like being my first R-rated movie, and I didn't know how scary it was going to get, so I watched a lot of the movie like behind the pillow, kind of a thing. <laughs> um, but I like I all I like remember, and it was you know memorable for probably the first. I'm certain the first Nicole Kidman movie I ever saw because I wouldn't have seen like Billy Bathgate or Days of Thunder or anything like that by that point. Sure, and, sure. I uh, you know no, I bet you. I don't think I had seen Far and Away, but that was probably another movie that my aunt really loved because it was Kim and Cruz together. But anyway. Oh, that movie um, is not good. No, we did it for, uh, uh, this had Oscar buzz semi-recently. Of course, of course. And it was. That's amazing. Yeah, it was Their accents good. Although, in that movie are bonkers. Legendarily bad. I will say, if you're looking for a movie where Tom Cruise punches a horse, that is the movie. Because <laughs> he absolutely punches you. a horse right in the face. That's incredible. Um, That's incredible. Is, um, but yeah, there's a lot, good, so, lot of stuff. But the, the cruise thing is interesting uh, to bring up just real quick here because sure. she she yeah. meets him shortly after this movie or yes. maybe around this movie. She right. turns 20 while making this movie. Right. Wow. Um, and uh, they're then in Days of Thunder in 90 together um, in 1990. So yeah. this is definitely when, you know, he comes into her stratosphere. Right, um, right, right. And, you know, she did Days of Thunder. She's a um, Billy Bathgate, Far and Away, Malice, My Life, Batman Forever. To Die For is the movie when it feels like she starts to actually gain some sort of like, you know. People start taking her seriously. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, for the longest time, yeah. people were like, oh, she's Tom Cruise's wife. She's 100%. Arm candy. Yeah. Yeah. She's the reason why she's getting that. He's the reason why she's getting yes. roles and things. She's, yeah. yeah. I saw. She's a babe. She, and she's obviously, she's very beautiful. But um, course, I yeah. weirdly, you know how um, they've been re-airing old SNL episodes on mm. on NBC from t- yeah. basically in the slot around it? Anyway, yeah. um, they, they had one f- with Nicole Kidman 
that I think was in the sort of early 90s, if I'm not mistaken, where she was hosting. And her entire monologue, the entire monologue was people asking questions about Tom Cruise from the audience. Yeah, that, that tracks. That tracks like, with like, her level it's of fame crazy. at that point. It's yeah. crazy that she she was basically not a person. She was an appendage. It was right. fucking yeah. nuts. It's crazy. And you're right yeah. about To Die For. To Die For was a big one. And then Eyes Wide Shut was oh, another yeah, sure, big sure. one. Yeah. Where yeah. That was um, when, yeah, she no longer was an appendage. Yeah. Her narrative's really interesting because then, of course, when she does get the divorce from Tom Cruise, she like has this like legendarily amazing breakout couple of years <laughs> yeah. where she's yeah. in like yeah. five movies and the all great and she gives great performances and she wins an oscar and it's just like it's the like the post-divorce glow up of all time for Hollywood. it's also the moment too where everyone feels like wait a second were we like sublimating she's actually this actor for like the past 15 years yeah not only is she not like not only is she good but she's like maybe one of our best actresses at this point it's like she definitely is and but i also think that you know if you look at the movies that were part of this glow up um, those are big swings that could have been disasters, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, like totally. Moulin Rouge and the others could have been just disasters for yeah. her. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and and I think you know having knocked them both out of the park, particularly Moulin Rouge, which I think showed something that I don't I don't really think people knew she had. I At least not Amer- yeah. Americans yeah. didn't know she. I, I remember that when she got cast in that, thinking yeah. not who I would have cast. Right. Um, <laughs> Not, well, not, not that's one of those be. movies. So go ahead, Kenny. No, I just, just, I'm not, I could talk about Moulin Rouge all day. It's maybe my favorite movie, but, uh, so but, but Moulin Rouge, the, it wasn't just putting a movie on Nicole Kidman's back. It right. was putting a genre on Nicole Kidman's back, yes. right? It was, yes. it was the only attempt I could think of outside of Woody Allen's Everybody Says I Love You to do a, a, musical in that era that right. wasn't based on a Broadway musical. Right. And if that flopped or failed uh, or even was just good in a dream girls kind of way, right. it would have just been a disaster. It, it had to be yeah. what it was for everyone not to come out of it smelling like shit, but they all came out of it smelling like a rose. So it also, I and feel there's something like, about sorry, a movie. Oh, I was going to say there's something about a movie role where the, within the world of the movie itself, she's such a star and she really mm-hmm. like, so that is almost like a force multiplier in that way where her personal stardom in real life enhances the role, which then sort of like circles back on to her and enhances her fame. So she really comes out of that seeming like just a giant movie star because A, she is, but also this movie really like sets that template for her. I, I couldn't agree more. I, 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 you know, to sort of piggyback on that idea, I do feel like the the movie and I mean the movie and the role is so full of life and joyful and just this like it's the movie's just bounding about that you couldn't have asked for a better movie to come out mm-hmm. post divorce, post all of it to just show that like <clears throat> that like. I guess my point is, had she done some sort of Oscar Beatty, weighty, heavy movie after that, I don't necessarily know that it would have had the same impact. Oh, I think, I mean, not to, not to just totally be a dick, but I, I mean, I think that this is also an Oscar Beatty heavy oh, movie. Sure. I mean, she has, she has consumption and dies. So, like, right. it's, it is it's like melodrama, and, and though, but she, I, I hear you. She, 
she's I mean, she's the, the grounding force of that entire movie. That's true. Um, and if it yeah. weren't for her, I do think the movie would kind of be, you know, ephemeral, candy colored pop song bullshit. <laughs> uh, like, I think the first half hour of that movie is um, like almost like trial by gumballs. Um, yeah. And it's daring is, you to, to which say Which is fine, which is yes. fine, which I, yeah. I, I love about it, but it always gives me pause when I try to show someone this movie because I, I, you have yeah. to get through the first half hour in, in order to like, be baptized into this world. But yeah. after that, like it's it's very she gets raped. I mean, it's it's yeah, it, it's he, it's heavy stuff. And yeah. I I think that that to me is like the that plus the others, which was such a star performance, mm-hmm. um, was the. All right, we have been sleeping on Nicole Kidman. Yeah, she is a lot more than just Tom Cruise's ex-wife, and I don't think she even got that bump off Eyes Wide Shut, though she should have. Obviously, I don't. I mean, right. she should have been. She should have got an Oscar nomination for that film and didn't. Of course, of I course. mean, it's it's. I, I you know, it, first of all, just I mean, you and I obviously both love Moulin Rouge, so I'm not in any way negating or or denigrating Moulin Rouge. I think that movie is a lot deeper than people think, but that first half hour is also the. Look at Nicole Kidman. Get on board. This is fun. She's yeah. not, you know, it's not just dour sadness. Like, look at what she's capable of. And right. that that's the that's the kind of I know. When I she mean, shows up, it's the closest that's thing that's to a real life Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, yes. You know, yeah. yeah. No, it's yeah, it's it's unreal. And but I, I bring all this up because Dead Calm obviously is very early in her career. She's yeah. still sort of figuring it out. I think she's very good in this film. I don't I, mm-hmm. I'm certainly not suggesting she's not, but she's also very good. You know what I mean? Like you're definitely yeah. sort of, oh yeah. And that that rawness, I think, actually helps and benefits the film. But um, so you watch this film, you know, when you were around eleven, behind you know blankets or, or yes. pillows or what have you. Right. right. Well, I, I was going to say it's yeah. it's interesting. Um, we don't do this that much anymore, but the, the word "dead" was yeah. used in a lot of titles right around yes. this time, and almost <laughs> yes. always titles that were almost always movies that like you shouldn't be seeing. You shouldn't be seeing Dead Ringers. Right. You shouldn't be seeing Dead Alive. You shouldn't right. be seeing yeah. Dead yeah. Again. Like <laughs> right. you maybe shouldn't yeah. even be seeing Drop. You know, Drop, Drop Dead Fred. Drop Dead Drop. Again um, was another movie though that I thought was a lot more of a horror movie. Like yeah, just from the poster yeah. and from the whatever, I'm just like that's scary. I don't it's know. a good movie. Oh yeah, it's a, a great lot. movie. I mean. Yeah. That's uh, just not what I expected from the better video off box dead. The title. Better off dead. Yeah, yeah. Right. Darker yeah, than yeah. darker than you'd expect. Yeah. Right. Um, yep. So yep. I do think that even I, I honestly, it's not even. I'm not where, where Phil was. Where I was like, I forgot this existed. I swear to God, I didn't know this existed, and I didn't <laughs> oh, wow. know. Any, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I, I went in and, and it was kind of a thrill because I didn't even <laughs> look it up. I, I didn't even know who was in it. Yeah. I didn't know who directed it. I was just like, I'm just gonna put sure. it on. Sure. And try not to read anything about it. Oh, that's a cool experience. Like, that's fun. That's so, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just yeah, just dive into this these, you know, vast waters of I guess the the Pacific? Pacific? Pacific, Pacific I yeah. think. Pacific, the, yeah. the, the Australian Ocean? Um <laughs> <laughs> is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh and and uh yeah, so I was I was like, you know, 11 year old Joe where I was like I think I'm about to watch a horror movie <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it, I will say this too like 
it's a it's an unnerving first like five ten minutes like it's oh, actually yeah. pretty hurt like that i i mean the that score crash in, scene is really really traumatic and yeah. how about her being like her eyes being pried open as they try to like wake her post uh mm-hmm. in the hospital that, was that rough, hospital yeah. was fucking scary i was just like yeah. I as I was started, I was like, I didn't remember this movie being this unnerving and this upsetting. Yeah, right out of the gate, um, it's yeah. it's the template in my mind for that trope where, especially in horror movies, where like something incredibly traumatic happens in the first ten minutes, and then they go to like the character goes to like escape from that. And then that escape turns into something horrific where it's like <laughs> yes, the yes. descent oh, yeah. is that. Yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> the howling is that. I don't know if you've ever seen the howling, mm-hmm. but like there's like this really like there's a whole uh, attack in like a, I want to say like a porn theater or something like that that happens in the beginning. I can't remember the specifics. It was too long ago. But like Deadcom is my go to reference point for that always because yeah. like that baby flying through the windshield yeah. is burned into my brain from like a very (laughs) young age it's so traumatic yeah that car that car crash is really upsetting uh and and, i mean the other thing too like philip noyce who's had a very successful career you know he he went on to do um uh oh my god the the tom clancy movie that i'm drawing a blank on now Um, clear and present danger i think he did both of them yeah Um, Yeah, yeah, i'm just i'm looking him up right now just to to quickly um talk about he directed directed, uh, yeah he did did you do the bone collector yeah he did the bone collector so we've talked about him in 99 yeah he did in 99 he did the saint he did that that bad saint movie i hope that that was a quarantine watch for me i had never seen the saint before so a friend of mine got on a netflix party and watched that and that was Ooh. He did Sliver. I, um, he did, oh, uh, you know, Sliver Salt. Sliver is yeah. a famously bad movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but, the but very is, representative of a genre that I love talking about, which is <laughs> early 90s sex thrillers, which sure, are like... Sure, Yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and I was going to say, I don't think Sliver's that bad. I think, I think early 90s sex thrillers are always fun for me. Yes. Correct. Uh, yeah. I think The Saint is that bad. I think the Saint is, is just awful, <laughs> yes. and then I yeah. think Salt. I think Salt is one of the best action movies in the last twenty Salt's years. Salt's great. Yeah, Salt is really yeah. really good. I, I, looking yep. at his filmography, like it is hits and misses. But like when he hits, I mean, I spoiler. I really like Dead Calm. Patriot Games is great. Clear and Present Danger is fine. The Saint is bad. Bone Collector, we kind of liked. I mean, he's yeah, he's a solid. Good. He's a solid yeah. filmmaker, and yeah. it doesn't surprise me that he's now a big pilot director. He makes a lot of television, which yeah. makes total sense. I, um, yeah. But you know, I think the Bone Collector is the exact opposite of this movie. Yes, oh, that's <laughs> and, and yeah. in that, uh, and this is my basic basic thesis for this film: the Bone Collector is. Or I'll, I'll go the other way. I think this is a can't miss premise. And uh, the bone so, you know, is not. the bone collector is like a can't make premise. Like the, <laughs> the, the bone collector is the bone collector is the opposite. So he with the bone collector, I feel like he did about as well as you can do Under the with, a prem, with a premise yeah. that is just brutal. You put your 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 protagonist uh, yeah. in a hospital, hospital bed thing. the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really difficult. Yeah. It works for a novel, but for a film, it's like, yeah. and then this, I think, is, you know, the premise is, is killer. You can't fuck this up, but yeah. I think it came pretty close, to be honest. Wow. So, all right. Because um, I think it's a good movie, but again, like, I think there are a lot of decisions I, I would not have made and I did not like. I, yeah. you know, I, I, 
listen, I, I, I don't think the movie's perfect, um, and we'll obviously we'll get into all of that. I, I do think that to compare it to Bone Collector is interesting because I do think that it shows that 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 noise is good at sort of constricted situations under the right circumstance. Like, I think that to your point, Kenny, dead calm is the type of thing where like, it's just, it's straight up suspense for the whole thing. You're out in the middle of nowhere, you know, just a, a horrible circumstance. Um, whereas, and, and bone collector, I mean, Denzel's very good in it. I think his performance is very strong. Even if to your point, Kenny, he's obviously immobile and can't really do very much. In it's it. It, it, it's yeah. unfair it's, to Denzel. Yeah. It's unfair. It collector, it do you know? Remember how like after Die Hard, that like all the action movies were like Die Hard but with a twist or whatever. Where like sure, Speed sure. was called Die Hard on a bus, all this kind yep. of stuff. Bone Collector reminds me that like after Seven, there were so many like serial killer thrillers that were like. Yeah. Let's do something, and like Bone Collector is like seven, but the guy is like mm-hmm. stuck in his bed, like that kind yeah. of thing. And yeah. uh, it's interesting that those. it's interesting that seven, and I agree that seven's the one that really sets off the serial killer thing, and it wasn't yeah. Sounds of the Lambs, which is obviously a few right. years previous right. and wins all the Academy Awards. But seven's like the cooler one, right? Like it's the Brad it, Pitt one. It's, it's yeah, it's you know? seven. Seven is so easy to get your head around. Like right. he he kills based on the seven deadly sins. Right. It's so that's why in that, the joke and adaptation is so good because it does yeah. give you this idea that any shithead can yeah. come up with some serial killer gimmick oh. and write a movie about it. Like trick photography, is, trick photography, Kenny. I think part of it is that like the thing about seven, <laughs> even though it has Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman and Gwen. Paul Turner, they're all fantastic. Sure. The star of Seven is the premise, whereas yeah. I think with Silence of the Lambs, the copycats yes. of that were, <laughs> yeah. we're going to make a movie with a criminal behind bars. And it's like, there was that movie where like, um, Just Cause, do you remember that yeah, one? Yeah, it was with like, Sean Connery. All, and Lawrence all we Warren. have to do is yeah. turn to a prisoner to solve this like thing. And yeah. like that was what the copycats of Silence of the Lambs were. You're and, right. yeah. and Seven, it was just like, oh no, like the, the serial killer premise of this is like, that's the hook. So that's what we're going to copy. And, and the th- funny thing about that too is that like conceptually, like it's, a, it's just high concepty enough Right, like it's all in yes. the execution of seven. Yeah. In right. in lesser hands, seven is is straight up bad, right? Oh, like yeah. it's just it's, oh, yeah. it's so, and that's what everyone did, which is interesting. Like everyone right. took the, the takeaway from seven was all the wrong takeaways. Right? Um, yeah, I, 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 it's the boat collector. You know, we 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 just did an episode yesterday on weekend at Bernie's with uh, Danielle Savory and nice. uh, and Baritas, and Danielle came on for the bone collector. And I remember when we did that episode, Kenny, which feels like another life ago. Um, she came on and was just very passionate about The Bone Collector. Um, and Kenny and I sort of like, this movie kind of doesn't make any sense. And it, it's got like the deus ex machina fucking villain that kind of just sort of is dropped in your lap at the end. Right. Uh, Leland Orser, who, right. speaking, of, speaking seven, of seven, <laughs> it's, it's just like, you know, comes in yeah. and he's the bad so guy. So good at seven. He's so yeah. good at seven. Um, yeah. But yeah, Great it's Great one scene performance. Yeah, it's tremendous. It's like one of the the scenes that you remember from that movie, um, yeah. or that stands out anyway. But yeah, I, it, it's just. But the Bone Collector, it's like Philip Noyce learned nothing from Dead Calm. <laughs> yeah, in a weird way, or like just studio system stuff, or whatever the case might yeah. be. But but I do think that um, this film makes some mistakes. But I do wonder if some of it has to do with a production element. The movie took six months to make. 
Deadcom. Oh, interesting. Um, and uh, and George Miller was right. Sort of weaponized at a certain point to direct some sequences. Uh, who produced which the feels film. like every troubled Australian production just like <laughs> calls in George Miller at some point. Every like, every George. Australian director has a, has a red George photo on his desk. <laughs> right, right, exactly, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because it does. And they had it. So the it, not to jump ahead, but whatever. The original ending of the film, I think the film tested poorly, and I think yeah. that they did a reshoot. The original ending is basically that Nicole Kidman uh, hits Billy Zane with like a with the butt of a gun. Right. Potentially, it seems like maybe he's dead, maybe he's not. She chucks him onto the raft. She goes and gets Sam Neill credits. And, and yeah, you're not you you're left sort of open ended. A little bit open ended, and and the audience perhaps reasonably found that unsatisfying. So the flare death, which is one of the right. best deaths of 1989, it's, it's yes. fucking rad. Yeah, with the reshoot. Yeah, well, that's very Fatal Attraction, right? Where Fatal Attraction yes, was originally supposed to end differently and more ambiguously, and the mm-hmm. studio was like, "No, we need to see her get killed." And then that's so memorable when you know Ann Archer sort of like sure sh- shooting her at the end of that movie. So that's not sort just of her, but me. shooting the baby inside her as well. <laughs> Yeah. That's, that movie is right. fucked. So yeah. it's I, I love that you guys Adrian both Lyne, said man. It, yeah. that it's rad. First of all, I love it Adrian is. Line because that's the exact word I used. I actually yeah. used the full radical, but <laughs> I actually I actually bumped up my grade a little bit because it's the, the end was so radical. <laughs> that being said, <laughs> like I. <laughs> Why does Sam Neill, yes. who is just a disaster this whole movie, mm-hmm. fucks up so epically in every fucking way, like basically gets himself into a drowning boat while his <laughs> wife is getting attacked on their boat, sure, get right. to have a hero moment at the end. It should have been Nicole Kidman yeah. shooting him with the fucking flare while he was attacking Sam Neill, which yeah. is also who he should be attacking anyway. So yeah. I, I that's the only thing I I'm don't just kind of like the only thing that I felt was like I don't know I I I think that the Sam Neill part of this movie was was kind of stupid and unnecessary and there was also a part apparently where he almost where he almost got eaten by a shark and that would have yeah. been a lot better oh, yeah. than him just having like the bass Swim by him, which was amazing. Also, yeah. George Miller directed the scene where Sam Neill is tormented in a boat by a shark. That's right. good stuff. Like that's a short film I want to see. But yeah, it's, <laughs> your point, Kenny. Though that's the same thing with like, why does this movie begin on Sam Neill? Like, why is he? That's, that's what I'm getting at. Yes, yeah. and why is he first build? The whole thing is like the whole thing right. is like a bit of a mind fuck, and it right. just feels like they're not comfortable with. They weren't comfortable with with centering this movie on the character it's actually centered on. Right, right. There is definitely, and I think that part of that is, I, I wonder if a part of that is a symptom of it's 1989 and the idea of of this movie being focused on a female characters perhaps was was problematic to a certain degree. I also think too, to your point, and I agree with you 100%, Kenny, I do think that it's not that she doesn't have, uh, that she's not proactive or that she doesn't have initiative, that Ray's character doesn't have that, because she does. Right. But it's definitely, not, but it's definitely, it, it feels slightly less, um, 
uh, she doesn't have as much strength as you would kind of hope her to have, like physical strength. It feels like a lot of her stuff is kind of the mind games of the situation, which isn't a bad thing either. But there's just a part of me that feels like there is this mixture of victim and hero that's going on within the Ray character that I don't think they totally land. I think is sort of where I'm coming yeah. out on it. Like I, I don't. I mean, listen. She, she is. She goes obviously through a whole host of horrible things in the course of this movie. Yeah. And I, I guess to your point, Kenny, this this movie being focused on a guy MacGyvering his way back to his wife, right? Isn't necessarily bad. It's just not necessarily executed well. I think is sort of what you're getting at. It, it's just. It's yeah. It wouldn't be. I agree with you. But but that movie you're talking about, yeah, she should be stranded alone yes. yeah. and dying and not having the far more interesting storyline happen where she, she has yeah. to save herself at every moment. Yeah, she so, doesn't. Yeah, the battle of wits between Ray and Huey is an interesting notion. Yes, I just don't know that they totally land it. Well, and from my like 2021 perspective, I like the idea of. Uh, a woman having to deal with this situation when she's not like Scarlett Johansson in the Marvel movies. She's not right, right, Buffy right. the Vampire Slayer. She doesn't know like martial arts or whatever. And right. she has to sort of like by hook or by crook figure it out. And I like that. And I also like the notion that the movie doesn't really go far enough to where she's got to like pilot this boat to save her husband, who has, as Kenny mentioned, stupidly set himself adrift on this sinking <laughs> ship for no real good reason. Um, which yeah, the whole premise, I do for no really real like good this reason. Movie. I don't want to pick it out, but like, if the reason why he goes to that boat is because he's slightly suspicious of Billy Zane, why are you leaving your wife back on a boat with slightly suspicious Billy Zane? Like that to me, <laughs> yes, is maybe a flaw in the concept of this movie. I really yeah. like. Yeah, but yeah. sorry, go ahead. More go ahead. more than most movies we've done on this in the other podcast, mm-hmm. I want to really go through this beat by beat yeah, because yeah. I do wonder. Like I, I again, I, I saw this movie completely fresh. Yeah. yeah. So I had no expectations, you know, but you see the, the titles. I know Philip Noyce, um, and I kind of know what he's capable of. And I, you know, have certain preconceived notions about Kidman and Billy Zane and Sam Neill and, and all that stuff. And Australians, of course. Um, but, uh, <laughs> that naturally, I love the Australians because sure. anybody who, hate, who hates the Brits as much as I hate the Brits has to love the Australians. <laughs> has to love the Australians. Sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, <laughs> which I do. I think the Australians are charming and wonderful. But, um, I, I I don't know. I, I want to walk through the plot with you guys sure. and really kind of, you know, talk about it beat by beat because there are a lot of decisions that were made in this movie that were not the obvious decisions that you'd make in a movie like this, a thriller like this. Chief among them being like, I still don't really know if I understand who Huey was. And that's not a problem with the movie yeah that yeah. that's probably to the movie's advantage yes, but i, I, think I, I so. do think i want to like talk to you guys about yeah. what was going well, on with this character let me just do the uh quick context here in terms of um 
a synopsis. Ray Ingram, played by Nicole Kidman, and her husband John, played by Sam Neill, struggle to overcome the sudden death of their young son. In an attempt to pass their pass through their loss, the couple take their yacht out for an extended vacation trip while out to sea. They come across a sinking schooner and rescue the ship's sole survivor, Huey Werner, played by Billy Zane. Huey claims the crew of the ship died from food poisoning, though Ray is empathetic towards Huey. John is suspicious of his story. It's written by Terry Hayes, directed by Philip Noyes. It opened on April 7th, 1989, in sixth place behind Major League, The Dream Team, Rain Man, and Cyborg. Uh, it would go on to make $10 million on a $10 million budget. It's got 83% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 63 from audiences. Roger Ebert gave it three stars and said, the key image of dead calm is of two ships drawing near each other in the middle of a vast, empty, expansive ocean. The emotions generated by this shot near the beginning of the film underline the, everything that follows, making us acutely aware that help is not going to arrive from anywhere, that the built-in protections of civilization are irrelevant and that the characters will have to settle their own destinies. Deadcom generates genuine tension because the story is so simple. The performance is just straightforward. This is not a gimmick film unless you count the husband's method of escaping from the sinking ship. And Kibben and Zane do generate real palpable hatred in their scenes together. Um, I agree with all that uh, for the most yeah. part. Um, in terms of the story, Kenny, which I agree with you is... Um, absolutely worth uh, walking through beat by beat. I just wanted to sort of hit some stuff uh, in terms of the development of the film a little bit. This was based on a novel dead calm by Charles Williams. Orson Welles was attempting to adapt this film himself, this book himself, um, titled The Deep in the late 60s. It was never completed. Uh, But the book was given to George Miller, Terry Hayes. They obviously adapted it. Um, I I um, oh, also Nicole Kidman apparently also learned how to uh, steer a boat, how to actually operate a ship. Uh, apparently she <laughs> method. took lessons, method during the storm sequence near the end of the film. She's actually nice. piloting the yacht. She looks like nice. she is. I you know, Yeah. Good for her. Um, and uh, yeah. So, oh, and one other thing. In 2012, in an interview with Mark Maron, Sam Neill expressed some discomfort over the fact that he was twice Nicole Kidman's age when they played a couple in this film, uh, which I appreciate. Sam Neill acknowledging the fact that, uh, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, so uh, in terms of like the beat by beat of it, Kenny, um, basically the film opens with Sam Neill at a train station, it seems like, and he's taken aside by two police officers. He's taken to a hospital there's been a car crash. His son has died. He's asked specifics about the son's death that show that this guy is military. Um, he asked. Yeah, he's I, a naval officer. He's a naval officer. His, like his that, uniform right? might give that away too. Yes, it does. No, but I, oh, sure. <laughs> I, I, I mean, in the sense of, of how sort of specific he is about wanting to know how long his son was alive right. post accident yeah. and, and just sort of there's a clinical almost. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's nasty as shit, honestly. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a really, really nasty opening. And as the film wore on, I did start to wonder how necessary it was. Well, that was a question I was going to ask you guys too. I, I, you know, I understand wanting to understand their, their headspace and their mental state, mm-hmm. but I, I, I don't necessarily know that you needed it or if you did need it, whether or not it could have been flashbacks when we were on the boat because to Kenny's point, it put me, it's a very unsettling way to start your movie. Yeah. Which I think was the point. But then when they're on the boat, I didn't feel the weight of their son's death. I don't know if you guys did. 
I I think not so much feeling the weight of the son's death, but I think seeing it in the beginning makes you grateful for that moment where they're just sort of, they're on a boat and they're sort of adrift at sea. And you get why that escape would be so um, something that she would want and need at that point. And it doesn't last very long. Cause like this movie like moves really quickly. It does not sort of give a lot. I think certain things might've actually been given more time. I feel Mm -hmm. like Billy Zane you could have like when it's him and Kidman on the boat together, you could have maybe given them even a little bit more time to, uh, you know, interact with each other and see if there's any kind of like, there's an attraction there. Like clearly make some hay of the fact that like Samuel is so much older than Nicole Kidman. Um, Mm -hmm. And so now there's this like younger guy and sort of like, remember the edge, how like the whole, one of the, big conflicts in the edge where Baldwin yeah, like Baldwin like, uh, they're too old for her like what the hell's going on yeah. like that kind of a thing um it's Elle McPherson it, who's the woman it in sure it? is Elle McPherson <laughs> yeah absolutely um that was that like three years where like Elle McPherson was just like in, she was on Friends she was in one of the bad yeah, yeah they really tried to make edge. her happen it was, yeah. it was she she was in uh she was in a movie where she was one of the leads uh it was like a three-way thing Oh. Yeah, like it was like a romantic comedy kind of a thing, right? It wasn't, wasn't it? threesome, but yeah. The, I mean, because no, Batman, Batman, she had no Batman lines. Robin. Yeah, she's yes. right. Yeah. She was yeah. she was right. just uh, George Clooney's, you know. Right. Uh, was she in the girlfriend. threesome that wasn't threesome? Because remember how like when threesome was out, there was another movie about like yeah with friends like these or a girl nah. thing. Nah. If Lucy know. fell. If Lucy Cider? fell is what is what I was thinking of. If not, Lucy that's not the other threesome movie, but that's the Elle McPherson movie. That yeah, I, I mean, she's only in. She's really not in. She's in Alice, Sirens, If Lucy Fell. She's in a Jane Eyre. She's no, in the Mirror has two faces. Uh, but yeah, she then she's kind of. Then I got to see the Mirror has two faces. It's she's in a bunch of Friends episodes. Actually, I didn't know she was. Yeah, in six. she's, yeah, she's Joey's roommate for like uh, like a few episodes. I love that. There's an episode titled "The One with the Apothecary Table." Yes. I uh, I love Elle McPherson. I love her strange. presence. I no, I really do. I think she could have been a bigger deal. <laughs> uh, do you remember as an act, the movie as an Beautiful actor. Girls and yes. Uh, yes. Michael Rappaport's yeah. one character beat is that he's like obsessed yes. with supermodels and he's yeah. named his dog Elle McPherson, Elle McPherson. Yeah. which I will remember because that's part of Rosie O'Donnell's big like angry monologue in the middle of the movie where she's just like he named his dog yeah. Elle McPherson. Can I just yeah. say that part of Elle McPherson's greatness is her name? It is a great, oh yeah, it's, it's a, a great killer name. name. It's, it's a like great. Linda Evangelista. Like Linda Evangelista oh, yes. was what a, a great model, but like you will never forget because like that's a phenomenal name. <laughs> it's a yeah, that's a it's great name. But yeah. I I I think that. Um, to to come back to your point, Kenny, and I, I agree with it, which is I don't know that this actually sets the movie's trajectory off as well as you would hope. Like, it's a dramatic way to start a movie, yeah. but I don't necessarily know that it actually tees off character stuff in the way that necessarily yeah. helps the movie. Um but then we basically see uh, that they're then they're on the boat. Like it's basically you have this horrific flashback of the car crash, and then they're on the boat. She um, wakes up from the nightmare on the boat. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I I I really do agree with you, Kenny. And I I I it's a question that I sort of is the movie has a lack of detail that I think helps it 
in some regards and hurts it in others, right? Like yeah. we don't we don't really understand where this boat came from. We don't really understand like how this trip manifested. It just sort of happened, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, I was I, I sorry. I've been I've been yeah. trying to find the movie for uh, the last for couple of minutes. <laughs> that no, no, not for Eld, not for Eld. The, oh, okay. the movie, the movie that Nicole. So Nicole Kidman was in a movie you guys remember. This isn't that long ago called Rabbit Hole. Yeah, that is oh, yeah. about yes. the same thing, but it's explicitly about Oof. you know the grieving process yeah. and it's a hard you know movie. Yeah. processing this kind of thing, yeah. and and that was kind of uh, in my head in terms of a lot of ways to grieve. Never lost a four year old child. I don't know, but yeah. um, but it is a little hard for me to believe that she basically had one nightmare, yeah, and then just kind of swam with her dog a lot, so. <laughs> Right, right. And you you don't get a good sense either of what their marriage is like. No. You know what I mean? Like until, and I'm not saying that the movie definitely needs it, but like that could have been detail that could have contributed to, especially once they're, you know, apart for the most Mm -hmm. of the majority of the movie Mm -hmm. is, are they going through troubles? Is that why they're away? Are they, you know, how is he coping with the son's death? Is he distant is he sort of like officious and cold that you know sort of his uniform at the beginning kind of communicates mm-hmm. that a little, little bit but and it, but in the absence of these details and this goes to your point phil i think you're just you know kind of left to assume that 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 yeah. things are good between them but to me they're not good enough that yeah. i am yeah. super invested in the story of them staying together mm-hmm. what i'm super invested yeah. in is the story of this woman not Dying by the yeah, hands of correct. Billy Zane. The, you know what the, movie? The rape murderer. You know what movie correct. does that better mm-hmm. is The River Wild, where oh, yeah. you get a really yeah. good sense of Meryl Streep and David Strathairn's marriage and why yeah. it's sort of going through problems and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're invested in the, you know, the two of them sort of like, and that's another movie where they, they end up separated for a bunch of that mm-hmm. movie and she's got to deal with the villains and. But you end up really invested in that marriage by the end of that movie, more so than you are in something like this. That makes me think I I would have loved to have seen this film directed by Curtis Hansen. Yeah. But that's a really good comp, too, because I would also say Kevin Bacon in that movie mm-hmm. kind of occupies that same weird, yep. like, yep. what exactly, what kind of villain are you? Yep. It's right. really what I'm getting at, like, with right. Billy's, like, what kind of villain are you? Because my set... And I like this about this movie a lot, but my sense is that like he's a reluctant villain. My sense is that like he yep. would be most happy maybe with Sam Neill never coming back and maybe taking over his spot and marrying Nicole Kidman and just being a happy husband with her. Does that make sense? I mean it it's it makes sense even if it's obviously sociopathic like it i mean it, it makes sense that like that, that i could see a i could see billy zane thinking that was plausible i think is what you're getting at kenny well he clearly does yes like he yes. clearly does like think like you know all right there, there are two things i'm considering here mm-hmm. one is murdering this woman the right. other is like like yeah. falling madly in love with this woman right. and like being Taking with her, her as my wife yeah yes well there's you're asking a question and, and i'm curious about this uh, your thoughts on this joe as well because we don't get much context in terms of the crimes that huey yeah. commits we on get the boat. T- we get tidbits 
we get video footage, which is very unsettling in its own right, of yeah. and that we see a slow progression of Huey's frustrations, the crew and the people on the boat. Yeah. And then we don't see what makes him snap, but something makes him snap, and then we see bodies. Like, that's kind of all that we know. Right, but by that time, we've already seen him snap on Nicole Kidman, where... Yes. He's like, are you saying I'm lying? Are you saying that, like, right. they weren't trying to kill me? And he's... So, like, clearly there's, like... I mean, he there's paranoia. There's yeah. possible, you know, mental illness happening yeah. there. Like, he's he's the classic sort of off-kilter villain, hair trigger, whatever. And so the movie gives us these little breadcrumbs. The stuff that we see in the videos where he's seemingly a photographer's assistant who has gone on this, like... <laughs> Boating trip to photograph models. That's sort of what it sort kind of seemed like to me from the context of that. And yeah, he keeps yeah. trying to like suggest things to the photographer who was like belittling him and putting him down. And yeah. you figure, well, he snapped because he was he felt belittled and whatever. We've and, like, all been there. We've all been there, man. We've <laughs> all been there. <laughs> um, so I yeah. one of the things it's one of those things where I think on a logical level or like a, a narrative story building level it works less well but i think the thing that philip noyce does is he does these really good sort of thriller tactics that really work with me one of them is the fact that the video only plays whenever the electricity on the boat comes back on which is in fits yeah. and starts so like that video is like you don't get it all the time it's sort of like it reminds me of uh, Sunshine, Danny Boyle's Sunshine in that way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where it's another movie where you board a, you know, failed vessel and people are dead and whatever, and you only get little, like, flashes of yeah. what happened. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, you know, a thriller tactic that is really, really effective. I think the other good tactic is the thing where they can only communicate, Kidman and Samuel can only communicate through him clicking, clicking the receiver. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love that little yes. tactic. I think yeah, fun. I think that, I mean, I, I think that you know, it's what you were saying earlier, Kenny, which is, you know, it's the whole, there's a primal component to this film and there's a, there's a less is more, there's a simplicity to this film that I think really works. The, the problem, unfortunately, I guess to some degree is that it does make you a little bit more focused on the turns. It makes you a little bit more focused on when there is something happening. Yeah. Um, and when those things go under a microscope in this film, it brings up questions that unfortunately... I, I, yeah. I think, and again, I, I think this movie is, is a success and I yeah. liked watching it. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a failure of adaptation where my sense is they were a little too faithful to the twists and turns in the book. I'm sure in the book it either was a you know two-hander or it was told from Samuel's character's perspective mm-hmm. because that is not cinematic in the same way. Correct. And... Uh, I, I think, you know, when you adapt something, you have to basically break it down to its core elements and start from yeah. scratch, yep. which is not fun. Which <laughs> is like, right. which, which it feels like it's defeating. I mean, the thing about adaptations, and I've done a few, is you do think that you're cheating a little bit, right? In the beginning. You think, yeah, yeah. Yes, you feel yeah. like, I remember, uh, the last thing I did, I'm like, 
where they're like, what's the story? I'm like, the story, I got it. It's right here. You did it. It's, like, <laughs> it's all amazing. here. <laughs> I'm like, you pretty much just swallow this and yeah. then you don't. And then it takes yeah. forever. And yeah. then, you know, and then if you're too faithful to something that's not written for the screen, it becomes bad. Yeah. So yeah. I do wonder if that's what's happened uh, a little I, bit here. I also think, and I, this is going to maybe sound more mean than it should, but I, I, I love Sam Neill, but I'm not sure that he's right for this. Um, there's something very distant. Well, there are only there are only three Australian actors, Phil. So if you get right, you're <laughs> right. Gibson, it was it was about Gibson <laughs> or Russell Sam Crow, Neill. Yeah. Yeah. That's who you're working. Or Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'll say this. I think that I like Sam Neill. I do. Um, but there is a reserved quality to him that doesn't make him particularly action. He's not an action hero, really. Um, right. And this. For the Sam Neill storyline, for John's storyline to work, you needed a really arresting actor in that role. An actor that not only worked when he's on screen by himself, but that is able to create chemistry with Nicole Kidman. And they don't, he unfortunately doesn't have either of those things. So what you're left with is, and I think you've probably felt this way, Kenny, too, which is uh, when it cuts back, when it cuts away to Sam Neill... And, you know, he's sucking on a pipe to breathe or whatever the case might be. It's just it's just not that interesting because, first of all, he goes there on truthfully on on a mystery solving mission. Right. What's the deal with Huey? And he never solves that. He just gets stuck on a sinking boat. It's a big part, too. These two these two storylines don't really talk to each other. And there is the mechanism with that with through with. There's a mechanism through which it could, yeah, right? Yeah. Particularly through which it could through code, and it could be really interesting. And he could find something out about Huey that could be helpful. But for the moment, Huey's on that boat. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I've seen Billy Zane. If, if Billy Zane has to prove to me he's not a villain. Yeah. Right. So Especially I, when right. he's on a boat. When he's on a boat and he's, he's looking very villainous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so I, I, I think... Yeah, I, I I think the 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 central kind of issue with this movie I, I think I'm having is I don't ultimately care about their uh, reunification yeah. because I don't think it's going to help the character who's actually in jeopardy. Yeah, who who throughout the I mean I guess he's in jeopardy too, but I don't care about him. But throughout the and uh, furthermore, like if Nicole Kidman was just a little bit smarter. Uh, she could beat him over and over. I mean, Billy's in. There's so many opportunities yeah. where just a little bit smarter, uh, it would be over. She knows where the one gun is. It's like that. Right. That's and yeah. she. The sedative was the sedative was was a stroke of brilliance. Yeah. But yeah. you yeah. just have to wait five more minutes. Yeah. It's, well, and it's, you you get yeah. the sense. Oh, sorry, Phil. No, no, ahead. please, please go ahead. Please. I was going to say you get the sense that there were ways that they could have just added in little touches to. Kidman and Neil's relationship to make some of that stuff work where I agree is does is Sam Neil going to the boat because he wants to be the hero that he couldn't be when the son died and he wasn't there mm-hmm. that's plausible but we don't know that from the story yes. is he doing that because he and Kidman are a little estranged and he feels like he operates better on his own that's a possibility it, it back it rem- back when I wrote for television without pity we had uh, this term that the recappers used a lot called uh, fan wanking, which uh, w- which was essentially fans of a show sort of extrapolating a thing 
that didn't really wasn't there. It could be the truth, but like we don't know. And it was sort of that fan sort of did a lot. And it's like I could come up with a lot of maybe possibly ideas for this thing, but it's not there on the screen and I shouldn't have to. um, Like I, you know, I'm fine with doing a lot of thinking, you know, when I'm watching a movie, but like at some point the movie has got to give it to me what this dynamic is, what the story is. I I would also, I I totally agree. I would, you know, it kind of comes back to this, to their son dying, right? Which is that if, if that is the central issue that this couple is dealing with, um, you need to see some sort of an arc. I don't know what Nicole Kidman's. I don't know what Ray That's right. changes how she how she grows. How this experience affects either of them in terms of dealing with their grief. If this is just a marriage that's on the rocks, and Huey comes into it, which and, it's not, which it's not right. right but, yeah. but if it was, if right. it was just a cleanly. This marriage is on the rocks. They decide they're going to go on a trip together to try to figure it out. And this guy comes into it. And through this horrific experience, they're brought together. Their marriage is stronger on the other side of it. I understand that. But we don't get that. And we don't get the grief either. This is, this is a classic, you know, this is a classic hat on a hat. <laughs> where where, yeah. the, where the, the premise, the central conceit, yeah of you know almost lifeboat right you've seen the hitchcock film lifeboat there's you know some someone at sea comes on your boat you know nothing about them you're on a boat yeah um you don't need any setup for that you don't need any setup for that that works because anybody can put themselves in that situation so from there you can build what you're talking about phil marital problems or you know a couple who love each other who are separated whatever it is that stuff is easy that's what i mean by can't miss premise Putting the the child's death in the beginning, and then, like you guys have pointed out, not using it, yeah. Uh, yeah. only serves to complicate and confuse me as a yeah. viewer and someone who wants to just enjoy a, a spectacular thriller setup. Well, yeah. it's it, it's funny when when about twenty minutes into the film, I started thinking like, and I hate I hate even saying these words, but they don't make movies like this anymore. Like <laughs> they they don't right. A tight, I love saying those words to say it every <laughs> podcast. But like a tight mid budget Hitchcockian thriller. I said it on just, the weekend at Bernie's one ten times. This is true. <laughs> but like that idea of like a ten billion dollar budget movie, like this is the type of if this movie came out today or a movie like this, yeah, it would be on. Right, because people will be so fucking thrilled that yep. that something of this nature was made. Yeah, um, and that's, that's I, I don't think that's I don't think that's true. I think that stuff version- like that stuff like that gets made. I, Shailene Woodley was in a movie that was this exact movie like two years ago. No one cared. Like, no, this, I, I mean, I think that well, the, I, I hear it. That was that movie was a. If I'm not mistaken, I know what movie you're talking. About. It was called Adrift, I believe, or something I along think those that's lines. What it was called. Yeah. And it's about uh, this couple that they basically run out of... So it's a survivalist movie, right? Where it's like they run out of supplies and they're stuck on a boat. Um, it's not a Hitchcockian thriller. It's a survivalist <laughs> movie. And, and I, I think the, sa- and the same thing could be said for uh, The Shallows. Yes. Which, can, which rules. I, but was I not just, on I just like The Shallows. Yeah. I'm saying that these, these are different. These are survivalists. These are like... This is gravity, but with sharks. This is like the right. Martian, but on a boat. Like right. that's not a Hitchcockian thriller. That's not a battle of wits in terms of people, you know, mind fuckery and all that sort of stuff. That's what I'm getting at. And I, I think, think that, battle. I think I think Hitchcockian movies 
are one of the few things that do still get made. From the, from the why don't they make those anymore? I do think that I, that these these kind of movies uh, get made. I think they do. I think I think they get made because you can make them for five billion dollars. You could set them in a you know in tightly enclosed spot. You can get decently sized actors to to to. I mean, I guess I guess what I'm saying is them. I think that I think that the ilk of movie that you're talking about, Kenny, and I I don't disagree that there are low budget screen gems esque situations where you you have you know the intruder or you have something along those lines yeah and those those do get made you're you're absolutely correct i think that they're not made necessarily by auteurs they're not made by people who want to sort of necessarily do something exciting with it like they're 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 cash grabs i think that I think that if, you know, I, I think that, you know, Fincher, I guess maybe Panic Room falls into that category to some degree or another. That was a while ago. But like, I think that, I think, I think we're both right. I think that, that more high level filmmakers could make movies like this. And instead, they're kind of almost straight to video releases that tend to get put into theaters. Um, so it's, it's what it is. But, more than anything, what, what I found about this film, what I thought was interesting about this film, from a filmmaking perspective, I think it's a well-made film. I think it's a well-shot film. I think it's a well-scored film. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, fundamentally, I think Kenny and I tend to, the movies that don't work are on a script level. And I think that this is on a script level. The bumps that are in the road, it feels like are on much more of a DNA perspective than they are on a execution level. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. I absolutely agree with that because the things that I do love best about the movie are either acting stuff or most of mostly it's the it's the directorial stuff. It's the way that right. um, the way it moves, the way it uh, you know scenes are filmed and whatever. The obviously the flare shot at the end is like not only is it like an audacious <laughs> choice, but it's like it's shot really cool, like with the shadow and the, and the yes. sail and everything like that. Yeah, like it's amazing. It's also I, yes, sorry, go ahead. The the use of I it's 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 not really a harpoon. What is that gun? The what is the yeah? It's the gun it's, that's just it's kind of a harpoon ish thing. Harpoon, oh, the thing like, that she shoots him in the one where she accidentally yeah, yeah, yeah. that's sort kills of the, yeah. It's I think it's a modified harpoon or something like that. The I, one where she kills like, the dog. This is a movie that kills both the baby and a dog. Like he kills a baby and a dog. That was rough. Killing the dog. The dog yeah. was bad. Yeah, but it was it good. Was, that was yeah. that was good. That was a good. That was a good <laughs> moment. Like for the movie, got a ratchet, and it was a tension. surprise. I mean, you don't kill dogs in movies, so I thought that was his blood. Uh, and the I think the reveal of the dog was creepy too. Like yes, the actual reveal. At one point, I was like. You hear it yelp, you see the blood. I was like, right. I guess we're just not going to see the dog. And then they right. showed the dog. And then they showed it. Yeah. 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 And I, 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 yeah, I think that yeah, I, I like a uh, movie on a boat that uses nautical uh, means to kill people. I think yeah. that's, that's, that's appropriate. Yeah. And yeah. I think that harpoon gun was really cool. And I, yeah. th- you know, and I think the geography of the boat was cool. You know, I think that the up, the up and down part of it, like just, just, you know, you felt like you knew where you were at all times. And, it's weird because I do think this is again. I think this was like pretty well executed. Uh, I think the score yeah. was really strong too. Yeah. I mm-hmm. just think that like it was a yeah, it was a failure of adaptation. To some it's extent. it does feel very much like um, with some like some big changes, but like relatively easy changes. This movie could have been 
truly stellar. Like, I think that there's stuff that's like, yeah. you know, listen, I, I think Sam Neill's performance could be modulated a little bit more. He could just be a little bit more likable. He could be closer to, uh, to Alan Grant than whatever he is doing in this, which feels more like a Tom Clancy character, like just very kind of like cold and reserved. Yeah. But I, I think that, but you know, it's, it's interesting. I agree with you guys. I felt very little connection between John and Ray throughout most of this film. But at yeah. the end of the film, when they're reaching out to each other, as they're, as he's, as you felt real tension, I felt, I yeah. felt real emotion in that moment. Totally. Yeah. It, totally. It, it, and so I was just like, I found myself surprised by how much I really cared that, these two and yeah. even if i knew that they were gonna obviously but it just it it, it worked that scene no. also does something that I, I i'm always wanting action movies to do which is he he grabs her you know he grabs her arm and he grabs the side of the boat and like that's usually what most movies that's enough but in this one it shows you how difficult that would be to still <laughs> yes. climb up that boat like he's really working yes. at that and like yeah. she's really like there's a one point where he's sort of like trying to pull himself up her and she's like almost mostly out of the yeah, boat. It's like, I know. Yeah, that's actually how that would go down is like, <laughs> it's not over until you've got like two feet on the boat at that point. And, and, and there's, like a, there's, an, there's another point in this where he does try to jump onto the boat and yeah, just, and he yes, misses. And he misses. yeah, face plants. So, and, and we already have seen the consequences of what happens when yes. you're kind of, when you miss at sea yeah, yeah, and the yeah. boat is moving, like you're fucked for a while until yeah, yeah. you can find so I, I thought that stuff was was fantastic. You know, it, yeah. it's I, so you're, you're speaking of at the beginning of the movie. Essentially, what happens is he goes. Okay, so John is suspicious of Huey. He goes to the other boat. He discovers, or maybe does he discover the bodies? Yes, he does. He discovers the yes. bodies at that point. Then yeah. he gets back on the rowboat. He goes back to his boat. Realizes but for, but, that but, Huey's but, a murderer. I don't know because okay. at this point. At this point, Huey had a pretty good story as to why everyone died. He said they all died from botulism. Remember? Yes, yes, so yes, 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 that, yes, yes, yes. He right. said everyone got. They were on. He was on a boat with ten people. They're all dead. Everyone, you know, got food poisoning except him. They all ate, you know, canned tuna or whatever it is. And at that mm-hmm. point, I'm like. This doesn't prove anything. Like, this, like, yeah, they're going to be dead bodies if he but said think, they died. But I think the bodies. I think you can see like there's viol- there's signs of violence there, and there's I think there is eventually you do see like the blood and stuff. But but this is they come out of the uh, they basically like like come pouring through when he opens a uh, yeah. like a I don't know some nautical door and uh, <laughs> some hatch. And they they come kind of like 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 flowing out. It's really out. gross. It's really yeah. gross. They're it all is. naked. It's yeah. all just right. very. That's it's yeah, very, That's the uh, other thing. Man. It's like botul- botulism doesn't do that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. It's I don't know what the leading stages of botulism yeah. poisoning are, but like maybe that's the uh, first. Yes, you take everybody. You're right. You're right about that. You're but right the other thing, that. doesn't he find out like the boat isn't sinking the way that Billy yes, Zane said it correct. was? Like the boat doesn't start sinking until like well later into the movie because. And I think that's the other. It's just like he knows he's lying, so like something's clearly up. It's but but to your point, the sort of the original point, Kenny, in terms of like, I thought to myself, okay, he's obviously he's got to get back to the boat. And in my mind, I actually did. Again, I had seen the movie so long ago. I had this version where like Sam Neill does get back to the boat, but like Huey ties him up or some shit, and that's mm-hmm. sort of how that whole thing plays out. Yeah. But then he jumps, he misses the boat. By the way, whoever the stuntman that did that really just like gave yeah, her i appreciate it, it but like it's amazing um 
And then I thought to myself, well, now what the fuck does he do? Is he on the rowboat for the rest of it? And then I was like, yeah. oh, no, he must go back to the other schooner. He goes back to the big boat. Um, which, which, which does make sense because ultimately I don't know that he has much of a choice otherwise. Right. Um, but, yeah, you don't realize how big a boat is until a person is trying to jump, jump onto, onto it. it. Yeah, And you're like, oh, hard right. To, hard boat, to do. Boats are yeah. big. It's our second. Oh, my God. That was not to go back to Weekend of Bernie's. Yeah, sure. Our second boat jumping movie in a row. <laughs> and one of the funniest parts of Weekend of Bernie's is when they, they think the boat is yeah. leaving and they jump from the dock onto the boat and then they realize it's actually pulling in. Yes. <laughs> it is a great moment. But yeah, it's so basically at that point, you know, he Samuel's stuck on 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 the other yacht on the on the other schooner, and uh, Ray essentially has to figure out how to survive on this boat, not really knowing how mentally unstable Huey is. Um, it's so how so let's, how mentally unstable do we think Huey? Is because I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> felt during the movie yeah. that all right, don't get me wrong, murderer. Huey, we learn he's a murderer, but all yep. we have, all we have when he shows up is he's you know, he's this guy, this attractive guy yep. who Very. you know kind of shows up and has a story that's plausible enough. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam Neill's not really buying it, they lock him in a room, correct? Uh, at that point, I'm kind of thinking like, what exactly has Huey done to deserve this? And is he reacting to the situation he's in where if you were Huey and you go on a boat after being caught in another boat yep, right. and this couple immediately locks you in a room and treats you like a criminal or treats yep. you like a, an animal, I, I was wondering if that was the story they were telling. That they kind of you know, through their suspicion and paranoia, right? They kind of this traumatized him. guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, yeah. It's very Dunkirk <laughs> when uh, when Killian Murphy is. Uh, yeah, it's got that because. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I not to make light, but yeah, I do think that I I think them locking him up is a trigger for sure, Kenny. Like I think right. that, that that definitely sets him off. Um, it it does feel like. His immediate energy when they when he first of all he's rowing manically yes mm-hmm. onto their boat when he gets on the boat he's very agitated like he's immediately seems off like he yeah. doesn't seem like which I think is smart but also like it, maybe it would have been better if he was you know a little more aw shucks and nice at first but I guess I, they just I, want to keep it ratchet yeah up. I get I guess what I'm getting at is like do we think Billy Zane went yeah. on the boat to kill or on the boat to survive. I think to survive. Yeah, right. I do too. Yeah, I do yes. too. And then, but I yeah. think as soon as they are suspicious of him, yes. I think a like a switch in the back of his head is just like, oh, I might have to kill these people too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I, 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 I think that yeah. I I think that once he tells them the story about the food poisoning, yeah. Um, I think he thinks that maybe he can get away with it. Right. Right. Like I got away with it. He's buying it, right. but then once John goes and they lock him up, he knows that he's. There's also he's a part of me too. Out. He's yeah. going to get found out, right? Like this is a murderer who perhaps doesn't want to get caught as yeah. well, which is part of it. I also wonder, like, <laughs> there's this weird. This movie is trying to sort of have its cake and eat it too, 
by not telling us explicitly that Huey killed these people. Yeah. It's trying to keep us discombobulated as to what Huey's motives are, right? Like, is he a straight up murderer? Like, right. We never actually, I mean, am I, am I wrong? Like in any of that video footage, do we see Huey kill these people? No, but it's like, it's like, whatever. Yeah. By that point, by the time we see the rest of the video, he's already tried to kill Kidman. So like, <laughs> he's knocked least, her like, out. Yes, yes. He's at least already knocked her yeah. out. So like, like, we in the audience sort of like kind of know his deal, but yeah, yeah. we don't know. I think we know he's a killer yeah. enough that like, we don't need to see it like happening on the video, but we don't know what flavor of a killer he That's is right. for lack of That's a better true. term. That's like, true. Yeah. is he somebody who snapped? Is he somebody who like, clearly I don't think he's one of these, like he found a boat and boarded it and like methodically killed these people. It's not mm-hmm. like, um, the perfect Jason getaway, takes the Steve Zahn movie one. <laughs> <Jason> where, <laughs> right, it's, not, it's also not Jason Takes Manhattan, which does not take place in Manhattan nearly enough to deserve Mostly that. a boat. But that's no, a whole other, mostly a boat, a yeah. Thing. It's a boat story. Um, a boat story. Good boat, good, good boat story. It's a classic story. boat tale. Of, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, classic so, not, but we, but we that's take the other our thing. It's like, that boat goes from Crystal Lake, which yeah, is a yeah. lake. It's a lake. I love this Somehow... Into the into New York Harbor, like sure, I yeah, love geography. flying boat. It's I fantastic. think it's great. Um, so yeah. at this point, you mentioned the lake. You mentioned which it, is a lake. Um, it's so just a name. That, it's actually a peninsula. <laughs> that, so Hugh knocks out, knocks out Ray, sails yeah. the yacht away, leaves John behind. He gets back on the other boat. John attempts to get back to, to Huey's ship from stop it from sinking. Ray awakens, tries to convince Huey to go back for the husband. He says no. John manages to do the radio thing that we talked about where he's clicking and he's able to do the yes or no things with the click. So she knows he's yeah. alive. She knows that the boat uh, is not sinking at the time. Right. Like the, so it will be soon. Yeah. It will be soon enough. <laughs> yeah. Ray then tries to stall the yacht by turning off the engine and throwing the keys overboard, but the dog the goes and gets dog. the keys. Yeah. That's which a, is a fucking too. great moment. Because she's like, on the one end of the boat and he's on the other, and they're both like, come here, come here. Yeah. And she's like, no, don't bring the keys back. Leave the keys. Yeah, let him fall. (laughs) Dog's not going to do that. So uh, then Huey starts uh, starts the up back up and tries to convince Ray that they can be friends. Right, and and they tries to like she accepts and there's like this this kind of trust that they're trying to convey to each other. I guess. Well, and it's it's at that point that you feel like you can see where she sort of sees that like, oh, I can probably at some point use this to get his guard down, right? If I play along with this, if I can sort of, you know, uh, not quite seduce him, but sort of like allow him to feel like we are, you know, we're, we're on be romantic, the yeah. then it's like, that's a tactic I can use against him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she sees the boat, she sees John's boat on the radar, it as a blip, it's clear that like the boat's damage is going to sink within a few hours. They, they yeah. communicate a little bit again through the radio where it's clear that, the boat's going down and he's not going to be able to rescue her. It's basically the moment when she's like, I'm, I'm by myself now. Like there's no way that this is going to go any other way. Um, There's also, you mentioned earlier, the sound and images of the video that keep popping up based Mm -hmm. on the electricity of the original schooner. Like just the sounds, the fury of like these images and like, it makes weird, it feel like, like it's a haunted up. ship. Like it gives you yes. that kind of a sense. Like a it's ghost like ship. it's literal ghosts. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. like yeah. you can hear them throughout the boat. Yeah. That's a yeah. very cool effect. Yeah. Ghost ship. Not a bad movie guys. 
kind of no. liked Ghost Ship. Well, I mean, an amazing beginning of a movie at the very yeah. least. Like you talk about like a movie that kicks <laughs> it off. looking up Ghost Ship. Now. Ghost Ship. <laughs> Ghost Ship is is pretty decent. I'm you know all of this talk of boats. I'll watch Ghost Ghost Ship. I think you'd like Ghost Ship. Um, yeah. I uh, I'm now very excited for Clay Keller to do a boat screen drafts. Me too. I saw that he was mentioning that yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. A yeah. boat one sounds good. There's That's lots of movies. Joe, how was your uh, best actress one? Oh, we had a really good time. That's up. That's up now. If anybody wants yeah. to, uh, it's on Patreon. Uh, yeah, by the time right? this, uh, yeah, you can wait, go. Is it Patreon just, or is it right? No, is it's it? just regular. Yeah, regular. Oh, uh, regular let's do it today. Can't dress. wait. So excited. <laughs> it's three hours of uh, my my. Uh, this had Oscar Buzz co-host Chris File and I talking about best actress winners of the twenty ten or twenty uh, first century. It's quite an interesting batch of uh, of best it actresses. It is. It is, yeah. and, and we're judging them based on the but as movies rather than performances, which is an interesting mm-hmm. wrinkle to it. So yeah, we have a really good time with it. It's it is is Nicole one of them? If I remember correctly, she is. She won yes, for the, the hours, hours. Yeah. by a nose. Um, yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then. Huey comes down, sees that Ray's crying, tries to soothe her. She basically Ray formulates a plan that she's going to seduce him at this point. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we need to talk about the rape component of this movie at sure this do. point because yeah. it it really does feel like you know I I, I I'm not really sure what. What there really is to say other than the fact that he's a terrible person and that shouldn't have happened, but I just don't necessarily know that it needed to go as far as it did. I mean, maybe... I think, I, I think it okay. did. Okay. Okay. I think, I that's, mean, I, I think that is the... That is the... Uh, the, the defining, sort of the it's a defining moment yeah. of this movie. That is the... The, 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 the game... Take this all the grain of salt. That is the game move she is she is making. Right, right, right. Uh, and playing that out to the end, right. to his logical conclusion, mm-hmm. really hammered home um, just the jeopardy she felt like she was in. I think. Yeah. And I, and I, I think I, I hear that. I, I think any other way, it would have really confused um, further what we are to think about Billy Zane, and because at that point he would yeah. have had to be the one who's to kind of. Back off, and if he was, if he did back off, that would have really messed with my head. To be honest, yeah, it's what's interesting about it is it's a little ping pongy in the fact that they make out a little bit. He tears off of her, he tears off her clothes, uh, but then she stalls by saying she has to go to the bathroom. Then she right. assembles the gun. He hears the dog bark. Th- then he goes to investigate, and she leaves the gun behind. She panics. She takes some cigarettes. She right. eases his suspicion, and that's how, and then they have sex. So there yeah. is a little bit of like. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. 
Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It, it, it almost doesn't need to go there, but she has no choice. Is ultimately, she realizes that like she needs to use this this card, for lack of a better way of putting it. Right. Um, and then she, then there's the, the lemonade and she doses it with prescription sedatives, which he drinks. He, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> um, and then um, claiming to go get drunk, he heads to get the shotgun. He discovers it. There's this back and forth. There's this yeah. crazy storm. They get in a fight. Like it's just, it, it, everything's boiling at this point. Right. Um, and then Huey gets the shotgun but the sedatives kick in and he can't fire it properly. Very opportune time for the drugs to kick in. Yes. Oh, very much so. Yeah. But she's smart with that too, where she's yeah. just like, she knows that like what she needs to do. Um, and there's also some great stunt work in that scene too, because yes. there's this, the, at that point she like, she just like dives yeah. over a, a, yeah. some, some furniture in yeah. there. And yeah, it's, that's, that's a really I, exciting I also scene. think, she was hiding behind the stool and yes. moving the stool yes. around yes. to play yeah. with his, like, you know, yeah. obvious yeah. sedated state. That yeah. was really that was cool. cool. She was yeah. really that's, smart. That's like, a lo-fi really shit I really like. Yeah. She's a capable heroine in this movie. Like, I like that a lot. Yeah. I yeah. also think, too, like, I... So, obviously, thinking a lot about boat movies as I'm watching this movie. Sure. And I do feel like this movie also felt and this might sound silly to say, but believably on a boat. Like, I think that we see a lot of boat movies where they get very, like, I think about A Perfect Storm or White Squall or even uh, Cape Fear near the end. Where You should be on this. You should be on this boat. You really should be on the boat. I should be on the boat one. You got got a a nice little Rolodex of boat (laughs) films running through that end. But they get very, very technically theatrical, right? Like cameras spinning around and and water and wind and all sorts of crazy shit. Which I, it's a movie, I get it, but like this movie doesn't want to go there. Even when it does get stormy, it's yeah, it you could tell they shot it on a fucking boat and that they really right. did their work rather than just like in a tank with some special effects. And it, it's that. also you get a lot of reminders of like, oh right, like not everybody's like you're not really steady on your feet in this no. kind of a setting, right? We're like no. little like shifts in the whatever, and like you could you know sort of careen off into a direction. I'm like, yeah, that was really good. I, I also think that there's also subtle camera stuff that they do, like um, the way that you can see the sunlight in the window as it sort of moves up and down mm-hmm. over people. So you can, the, that you don't necessarily need to be rocking all the time in order right. to feel the motion of what's going on outside. Like just yeah. little camera tricks that are very kind of subtle um, yeah. that also adds to the tension of the situation. But uh, then we get to the harpoon moment that Kenny was talking about. She, uh, Ray gets the harpoon, she shoots the dog um, accidentally. Another kind of clever trick that they do is you see the dog jump up on the door earlier in the film. Oh, yeah. So you do actually feel like when you hear that, you yeah. believe that it, like you've made that one-to-one connection. Right. Um, so then, then she comes out, Huey tries to strangle her, and then we get a really nice reveal of the door sort of because of the motion of the ocean. Yes. Uh, closing and the dog's carcass, which is gnarly oh. and great. Um, <clears throat> then Huey passes out from the drugs. Ray ties him up. Great fucking score at this point, really kicking in as like she's, 
as she's steering the boat through this like crazy storm or whatever. Um, Huey wakes up, cuts himself free with a shard of broken mirror as one does. Um, mm-hmm. After making his way to Ray, she shoots him in the shoulder with the harpoon, knocks him unconscious, throws him on the raft. Um, and at this point, we cut back to John and the mast of the boat has trapped him in the bowels of the boat at this point. So yeah. as it's rising with water, he's trapped. This made me think of my favorite moment from the abyss, which we will talk about at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, in that film? The fucking, I would argue top three James Cameron moments is when Mary, um, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio has to drown herself. Mm. And oh, so good. It's fucking incredible brilliant 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 it's an incredible moment and speaking of a marriage that's on the rocks that you absolutely believe yeah yeah like that that and a a kind of a boat movie i guess yeah Um, that 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 moment is almost too good to be believed right right i i I go i completely agree with you that moment is almost too good like to to wrap your head around how it's the it's the perfect thing in the perfect time with the perfect characters It's excellent. I can't wait to watch that film. It's also just like, it's her, it's the water rising, her running out of air, her saying like, I'm scared, I'm scared, like, great shit. Great shit. Uh, Not as great in Deadcom. But yeah, so because he finds a pipe and he's able to breathe. So whatever. (laughs) Cockroach pipe. Cockroach (laughs) pipe. One of those cockroaches. One of those cockroaches. I I, I think I really did like this movie. Yeah, I did too. Like, like, I I think that there's a lot of like, 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 Great imagery and great yeah. moments and and yeah, and, there and is. yeah, yeah it, like it it sticks with you in a way. You know, we do so many fucking movies on our podcast, yeah, uh, and so Both many of them. You do. know, Joe does yeah, as well. Joe too, and oh, yeah. Joe does really yeah. bad movies. <laughs> but we so many movies go in. You know, in one ear out the other, in one yeah. eye hole out the other. Yeah, um, <laughs> the old eye hole. In one iris, out the other, I guess. But <laughs> yes, uh, but sure. this really do, do, did kind of lodge itself in my brain. And yeah, I think yeah. that there's something to be said for that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, basically, so John gets off the boat. Uh, he sets the boat on fire in the hopes that it'll signal his location to Ray. Uh, that's, that's a great part where it's just like, great oh, great idea. You set yeah. the boat on fire. Oh, no, it's sunk into the water. It's not going <laughs> to last. Like, that's <laughs> no, cool. Yeah. This is, I, I do feel like this is what's funny about this episode is that it's, it, I really have gone like up and down with this movie yeah, over yeah. the course of it. Like, there's times where I'm just like, but what? And then other times I'm like, that's actually really clever. Like, that yeah. is smart. Yeah. So the movies, anyway. Uh, so then, um, dust sets in, Ray notices the flame, sets a course for the fire on the horizon. Um, basically, John just lays there on a piece of floating debris at this point and yep. just hopes that his wife is going to find him. Um, and then, yeah, we have this great moment, this great shot, which I mentioned, which is him and her. She's sailing up to him. He's stuck on this, basically on this piece of wood. Um, and and it's it's a very dynamic shot, too. Like, it's just they're both careening towards each other. Yeah. Uh, they lock arms. She pulls them back on. They later find the raft that Ray uh, shoots with a flare, setting it on fire. So I guess two they flares. Soon. That's the other thing. I was like, this is not good allocation of emergency flare heavy. <laughs> like you could have poked it with a stick or something, man. Yes. Like I don't know, <laughs> double tap. Yeah, yeah. You've now destroyed. Like yeah. things could go bad. You've now destroyed your raft and two yeah. of your flares. I, I don't it, know, man. That that, that that's. It seemed like there was an easier way. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. What could you do? What could you do with a near dead body in the ocean? Right. Yeah. So they think that he's dead. But there's that they great that shot gone. though, where they like yeah. 
the shot goes around the boat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you see the bloody handprint yeah. on the boat. Like that's a great mm-hmm. shot right there. Yeah. It's it's I mean, yeah, it's a it's a they think he's dead, but the audience knows otherwise. Right. Um the next day. Again, this is part of I think we've spoken about this on a on a on a more macro level of the film, but like John and Ray seem to like be cool real quick after things oh, that yeah. shouldn't be right. Like their kid died at the beginning, but they seem pretty you, chill. You know what, man? They're That's not reporting healthy. it to anybody. <laughs> they're yeah. not calling anything yeah. in. They're just going to have brunch and they're going to be like yeah. living in the now. That is like yeah. that. This is this is really some <laughs> mental health shit. Like mental health sure. aspirational shit. Sure, yeah, you right, know? exactly. Not, yeah, like I, I this he is had my time goal to make an life. origami little like figure to go yeah. with the brunch. Like you know I tell you, whole... this is this is what I tell you, Phil. This is why I'm not sure. afraid of memory loss because I, <laughs> memories are bad. I, like, I only want. But this is making now. me wonder whether or not, like, are these are these the two most healthy people in the world, or are they so dead inside, right? That they right. just that they've just moved on and they're just right. like whatever. Maybe they're the ones who are dead. Yeah, calm. they're the dead calm ones. <laughs> they're the dead yes. calm people. Yeah. Uh, so th- I, I do want to point out, like, yeah, this please. movie takes a sharp left turn into like. Paul Parr at the end, right. like 100%. just, just, oh, just, and and I, it's funny. It was like a, it was like a a, a reshoot after the. Yes, yeah, we talked about that. Not that time, I know, yeah, not that great test, screening, yeah. test screenings, but it yeah. does also seem like a fuck you, yes, yes, you, you, you stupid, you know, yes. Philistines in the audience who, oh, you want a big flash? I'm going to give you the dead guy with a bloody hand coming back. We'll shoot him. In the, we'll shoot him in the mouth with a flare gun. <laughs> Like, but the, here's the, I, I agree with you a hundred percent, but I'm also just like, it's fucking rad. No issues. It is. It really <laughs> is. I have no issues with it. Yeah. So well, this is the shot yeah. where like, she's got the, she's, her hair's all shampooed up and she's waiting for Samuel to come back. And yeah, you're right. It's like bloody, the bloody hands. hands, like start like massaging her scalp. It's just, yeah, it's, so like, it's like, and then the shampoo starts to turn red with blood yes. and she's just, yes. it's great. It's great. You know, you know, you know, what's funny about the whole thing is like, on one hand, I, I am pretty confident that they're like all right they want something like big and gory and ridiculous yep. let's give it to them and on the other hand like the three of us are like yeah that is what we want you're right yeah. that was great 100 <laughs> we are we are that base you know yeah, exactly yeah. that's what yeah. i wanted yeah <laughs> like, it's it's great it's it's also just yeah never I underestimate will... three guys on a podcast overestimate sorry i will i'll say this too and you mentioned this earlier joe that silhouette shot like this is the thing that i think yeah I, how can I put this? That I think we both or all of us wanted the film to be a little bit more of, which is, I agree with you, Kenny, super pulpy at the end, but also like classically kind of, I don't want to say Hitchcockian, but classically and smartly done. The blood on the side of the boat, the blood in the shampoo, the mm-hmm. silhouette shot. Like it's not done in a hacky, shitty way. It's done no, with it's, an eye. So it's like noir. it's it's, it's noir-ish. noirish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and yeah. this film is is decidedly not noir. That's the thing, right? Which is right? I think we all kind of wish there was more of that noirish component mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Because I think that, first of all, it would have gone a long way towards bolstering some of the relationship dynamics and character arcs. It just would have felt like we were just latched into something a little bit more. Um, but it ends on a fucking great note. The last mm-hmm. seven to ten minutes of this movie 
or 15 minutes probably are fucking great. Like it's yep. gay. It ends great, yep. which is, as they say, the way you should always, if a film ends great. Yeah. yeah. You know. That's what people remember. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as Kenny said, <laughs> fucking Sam Neill somehow threw it, by the way, not an easy thing to do to shoot into a guy's mouth through the sail of a boat. Through the sail. <laughs> yeah. That's some good marksmanship right there. And I also have to say, too, this movie comes out in 89. I still don't know how they did the effect. Yeah. Like, I, it literally looks like Billy Zane right. swallows the flare and it blows out and it blows the back, of, the his back head. of his head. Yeah. Like, it's fucking it's dope. It's a great shot. It's a really great shot. And then also, the last, last shot of this movie is just John and Ray standing there like fucking badasses while yep. his body floats away. <laughs> Like, and, you know, want- and then it just ends. That's the other thing. Is like movies used yeah. to just end. Like oh, uh, we talk about that all the time. It's awesome. That's yeah. the best. Yeah, movie. The movies just ending is great. So we, you know, I, I like. I guess I get when when Phil mentioned this on Twitter. A lot of people wrote, you know, how cool it is, yeah. and I love yeah. a flare gun murder, yeah. and I love flare. And I, I, I think every writer has probably put a flare gun murder yes, in there. Yes. So yeah. I, I, my flare gun murder in was one of my, my scripts. I called, you know, my cousin, the cop who I bring up every once in a while and ask him what would really happen. He sure. Shot some with a flare gun. And he said, well, most likely it would bounce off the body. I was going to say, yeah. like, it's not meant to pierce skin or anything. No, like that. it's yeah. not. It would most likely bounce off your body. So it could be the kind of thing that knocks you off something yeah. or, you yeah. know, right. hurts you or, right. It would. Go in your an orifice, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're putting an orifice, having a shot at orifice, not only yep. is like awesome and cool, but it's it's realistic. It That's what would yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, so uh, let's rate this because we're going to do our top five Nicole Kidman movies, and I want to uh, you know, dive into those. So um, in 89, again, I think I saw this when I was quite young. It didn't leave much of an impression, if I'm being completely honest, clearly, because yeah. I kind of forgot it existed yeah uh, so i probably would have given it like a 60 or something like that uh the other day before this podcast i i really liked it um and and i kind of saw past its bumps and what have you from a story perspective i gave it a 77 um and i think i'm kind of staying at a 77 like i still really liked it i think it's got its issues i don't think that it's like a perfect movie by any means um but having gone through all of this stuff my score kind of kept like dipping and then going back up and dipping, yeah. like a boat, one might say. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I've, I found Calm Waters and I'm at a Very 77. Yeah. I think that that's where I'm at. I like that. Yeah. What about you, Ken? Uh, I, so I like was about to give this movie uh, a 66, mm-hmm. which is about what it felt like to me. And then the ending happened and I said it was so radical. I had to give it a 69. <laughs> yeah. So I gave it a 69. Yeah. Uh, before the podcast, and I actually I'm way too enthusiastic right now. I'm, I'm I'm in way too good of a mood. I enjoyed talking about it way too much. I can't stay in the 60s. I'm gonna bump it up to like a 73. Like I think this is like it's nice. a very easy movie to recommend to people. By the For way. Sure. Like this is like you want you you yes. want a good you want a good two hours at the movie. Yeah, this yeah. this is you'll you'll enjoy this. Yeah. So yeah. good flick. Uh, I'm happy you uh, you had us do this show. Yeah. I uh, I am too. I'm I'm glad I got a chance to revisit it. What about what? what where what's your you, score? Uh, yeah, what's your oh, score? people so, want to know. Right. So at the time, as I said, probably first R-rated movie. Definitely left an impression on me. I didn't mention like Billy Zane in this movie 
is so hot to the point where I feel bad about myself for feeling that because he's like, he's a murderer, he's a rapist, like all this sort of thing. But it's just like, but the other thing we know about him is that he's very hot. And like, also like that classic uh, 1980s scene where, is it Billy Zane or is it a butt double? But it doesn't matter. He's just walking away from the yeah, camera and yeah. you see his butt. The like the classic Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapons sort of shot. <laughs> yep, right? yep, Where yep. I feel like we had so many movies that went for that shot in the late eighties, early nineties. We don't see as many butts nowadays, do we? No, I talk about well, this see, a lot actually on we my see podcast. Funny butts. I wish. Funny yes, butts. I, yeah, yes, they're more yeah, funny, funny butts, butts these days. More, yeah, more, more butts. <laughs> um, Can you please make a movie called Funny yeah, Butts? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Jason Siegel and Jonah Hill. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, it's yeah, Funny yeah. Butts. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly who it is. Funny Butts. Um, so yeah, at, tw- at 11, 12 years old, Billy Zane in this movie certainly made an impression on me that I uh, thought sure, about. Yeah. Um, but so probably at the time, I probably would have been like solid ninety. Like this movie's great. This movie rules. Um, can pick it apart a little bit more sure, now, sure. but. I think the stuff that I remember being very cool back then are still very cool now. And I think for as much as, I mean, we sort of picked apart the the narrative stuff and the script writing stuff, but like, mm-hmm. I love seeing a movie like this that's directed as well as this is. So I'd probably pull yeah. in a, like a solid 81 or something like that. I feel like that's I like that. I don't I, have to, I don't have your uh, concern of having to like, Square this with all the other yeah, ratings that I right, you know. Yeah, right. So, like, I have the freedom here, but yeah, which I, is I a concern. Uh, yeah. I want to. I want to. Oh, I don't envy you there. having to like grade all of those movies and like against each other. I would. That would drive me absolutely insane. I, I, it's, I it's, love it's, doing it. It's it's yeah. the dream of my life to rate things. <laughs> and speaking of rating things, uh, yes. I'm not really going to rate them, but I do want to jump on this Billy Zane thing for a second because we yeah, didn't yeah. talk about him. Yeah, much. we didn't really talk him that much. Yeah. He, the the I think you're right joe obviously he is insanely good looking in this movie. movie and yeah. my and 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 the prevailing feeling i had watching him was how like he kind of fucked this up for himself like he had all the <laughs> tools and yeah, he kind yeah. of fucked it up by by choosing instead of like you know kind of leaning into the 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 face and body and kind of natural kind of disposition towards uh charming handsome leading yep. man he right. kind of chose to be a snarky asshole a like a he smarter did. than you better than thou type guy and i think it ruined his career because like he is i i, I hate saying it too because i kind of feel like i hate him <laughs> but he's as good looking a guy as i think oh, they, yeah. it's like on film and I He's think at some point somebody man. was just like, oh, like we, we should just cast him as, you know, the bad guy, bad, like romantic. I know he's had some like protagonist roles and whatever in his career, mm-hmm. but it seems like when you cast Billy Zane in the 90s, you would cast him to be um, the bad guy. Obviously, Titanic yeah. is the biggest example of that. Sure. But like, although the one that sort of runs counter to that, that I always think of him is... Uh, in Tombstone, where he plays the Mr. Fabian, the theater uh, professional, mm-hmm. who uh, one of my like Tombstone's a great movie. It's like so long and has so many different subplots. And one of the subplots in that movie is that Jason Priestley is part of the bad guy gang, and he like I falls it recently, in love yeah. with Billy Zane from afar and gets like radicalized yep. when he gets killed or whatever. And like 
it's so weird that that's a subplot in Tombstone. But like, that's an odd, that's like a non-typical Billy Zane character, but also kind of hinges on the fact that like, his face is so beautiful. Like that's sort of half it's, of his character in that. If, I, if you I totally, Google, I'm, sorry, I'm looking him up. Yeah. His, his filmography. You, it's bizarre. Well, but if you look at it, if you Google image him, yeah. yeah. And maybe it's because there's some side by side with him and Marlon Brando. He was going to play Marlon Brando, right. but this guy would have fucking killed in Hollywood from about 1920 yeah. to about 1970. Sure. He would have been the biggest fucking star and it's yeah. just he just it's, it just didn't really work i do think it's interesting he does this film in 89 obviously he's also he will also be in back to the future part two which we will talk about um as well at a later date um he's nominated for the chicago film critics association award for most promising actor for dead in this. in this and then in 1990 he's in memphis bell where he is also nominated for the chicago film critics wait, association wait, two, years most promising, two years in a row so promising in yeah. fact that they gave it to him twice Oh, that's um, so you, weird. You know, oh, you know. Wow. Every once in a while, every once in a while, there'll be an NBA player yeah. who will win Most Improved Player, sure. and then take another leap, and they'll be like, "He should win it again! <laughs> like, give it <laughs> to him again!" Amazing. And yeah. and yeah. I do feel yeah. maybe Billy Zane. Maybe they're like, "All right, most promising. All right, he, he fulfilled the level of promise we thought last year, but again. now the promise <laughs> is even higher." Nah, so. It's fantastic. Yeah, I remember. I don't remember who that happened to in basketball. Like maybe like uh, like Victor Oladipo or something. Like had some like right. thing where it's like I think he did it again. <laughs> so. Um, so let's do our top five Nicole Kidman films, uh, starting at five, um, and we'll go around. Um, my number five is Jonathan Glazer's Birth. Um, a movie that uh, I found. I remember created quite the controversy um, because of a bathtub scene. If right, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> which is interesting, I guess, uh, insofar as I understand why it set people. Anyway, long story short, I think she's amazing in that movie. Yeah. Um, I think it's a a underrated movie that more more people should have seen. Um, but got kind of swirled in this weird um, controversy. It also happens at a uh, kind of an interesting time for her career-wise. She's off. She's coming off of the Stepford Wives, um, and uh, yeah, she's kind of in a bit of the uh, uh, a weird part in her career. Let's just leave it at that. But um, that's my number five. I have birth. What about you, Kenny? What's your number five. Uh, my number five is and was. The aforementioned Malice, which I love. Good movie. Uh, yes, good movie, great performance. A uh, little hint, I think, of what was coming uh, in mm-hmm. the future for her. She is the... the. It's, it's, it's almost like... Uh, it's almost a similar performance to To Die For, except she knows exactly what she's doing at every step of the way. Mm. And this was a little bit of what she was getting cast at in the 90s. These, you know, kind of undercover femme fatales. Um, and I, I do. I really love that movie. It's. I haven't seen it in a long time. I need to watch it again. Um, it's a Sorkin script, right? Or he did a yes, rewrite it on it. Yeah, it's a Sorkin script. script. Um, and if you yeah. and if you see clips of it, I haven't seen the full thing in a long time, like over like ten years. But like, there are Sorkin lines from that that like show up in other Sorkin things. Like, oh, so it's sure. like you can 
You can definitely tell it's a Sorkin script yeah. for sure. Uh, what's yeah, your, he, what's he, your he always builds his scripts out of parts from his previous scripts, which I love. Yeah, by yeah. the way, like I love a good like I can Me pick too. out little like Sorkin yeah. lines. That's yeah. 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 Um, both of you guys picked movies like the Nicole Kidman movies that I most have been eager to rewatch lately, and I just haven't. I would I need to see Birth again because when I saw it initially, I don't know if I quite got it, and I feel like now as an you know older, I will I would you know appreciate it and sort of get it a little bit more. There's, like, uh, else, yeah, sorry. I just, now I just I've been wa- meaning to rewatch forever just because like, it just seems amazing. I have Malice on my HBO Max to watch list. So it's definitely something I want to watch as well. I just want to highlight one quick scene in birth that I think uh, is, is really magnificent. Um, there's a, there's a, a scene where she goes to the opera or she goes to a play with, right. uh, and the camera just sits on her for like, yeah. It feels like five minutes, and and as the entire host of everything that's going on in her head is wordlessly all over her face, and she's just she's absolutely incredible in it. Anyway, what's your number five? Yeah, my number five is to die for Gus Van Sant's to die for. It's yes. you know it was the breakthrough Kidman performance for a reason. It's one of those movies that, from today's perspective, we've seen these sort of media critiques made a lot since then but like at the time it, I thought it was really on point about the ways in which people were starting to become famous through crime and through uh like sort of like media darlings because yeah. of you know crimes that they committed she's really fantastic um Matt Dillon who plays her husband is really good Ileana Douglas who I think is so good. Matt Dillon's sister in the movie mm-hmm. and like she's amazing and like really Love kind of it, like yeah. acerbic and whatever um but like Kidman obviously carries that movie and she's uh a couple of Oscar winners play her co-murderers yeah, she's got, she's got some uh, oh, Casey right. Affleck Joaquin and Phoenix Joaquin and, uh, Phoenix Casey Affleck yeah um, and Buck Henry yeah, wrote the great. script yeah I mean it's it's higher up on I'll talk I'll talk about it when mine I get too. to it on mine but um yeah, I, I think it's. A, I think I actually went to see it recent, recently. Recently, uh, one of the last films I actually saw was that at the Alamo um, nice. back in uh, February of uh, 2020, um, and uh, holds up great. Just, yeah. just tremendous. Anyway, yeah. Uh, my number four is uh, Anthony Minghella's Cold Mountain. Nice. Um, a movie right. that I. A movie that I feel like. Um, was I mean is quintessentially Oscar Beatty and had Renee oh, not yeah. won for it, it would definitely be on your podcast show. Um, but uh, it, it it didn't really do what everyone thought it was going to do. I think that everyone right. thought it was going to be. It was the big front runner for like yes. that whole season. Yes. And, yeah. And yeah. then and then wasn't. <laughs> right. Um, sorry, were you saying Kenny? No, I want to ask Joe about his podcast at the end of this. So, uh, okay. <laughs> um, I, I do think that um, it's a movie that I really like a lot. Um, I think that it suffers a little bit from the Jude Law's not what we think he is. Uh, you, can't, you can't put that movie on Jude Law's shoulders, unfortunately. Um, so his storylines tend to feel a little wobblier than when the movie gets back to Nicole Kidman and Renee Zellweger when I think it really sings. Um, and Nicole Kidman is, I think, fantastic in it. I love, um, uh, I think it's Alma's, Alma's arc in that movie. Alma, yeah. Uh, going from sort of this, like, you know, dolled up, uh, you know, soon-to-be wife to a woman who has to sort of, you know, fend for herself. And yeah. I think it's tremendous. But yeah. Ada, sorry. Ada, Ada, not Ada. Alma. That's Ada. I thought it was Alma, too. I, I think it's, I, I think Cold Mountain is one of, one of, uh, 
Anthony Miguel's best films. He didn't make that many of them, unfortunately. But I think that's a, a, an underseen one. And I think the, the, scope, the scope of that movie is gorgeous. so huge. Yeah. Everybody's in that movie. I yeah. think it's my, my feeling on that one tends to be that it's hit and miss. And I think that's part of the Jude Law thing is because he's sort of going on that. You know, it's loosely based. The novel was loosely based on the Odyssey. So, like, he's going yeah. through all these little uh, vignettes Episodic. and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Some are really good. The Natalie Portman uh, interlude is really, really good. Philip Seymour um, Hoffman is great yeah. in it, too. Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman in a union suit who, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> can't love more than that. Yeah. You got Jack um, yeah, that's White really... acting in that movie, Kenny? Yes. He's got a little uh, yes. white stripes yeah, no, action. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I've, li- I've, listen- I've listened to that, uh, that score. That's how Albino yeah. Charlie Hunnam. There's just a lot. Yeah, yeah Albino Charlie Hunnam. <laughs> I forgot about that, too. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, what's your number four, Kenny? My number four is The Others, also aforementioned. So good. Yeah. Uh, so good. So awesome. Yeah. Um, such a great twist. You know, if it weren't for the, if it weren't for the others, I don't know if the momentum of Sixth Sense would have carried over to the horror boom we've seen for the last 20 years. I love an elevated horror film. I love when, um, an actress like Nicole Kidman throws herself into that kind of role. I think, I think the twist in this movie is so fucking beautiful and brilliant and, 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 devastating um yep. in all the right ways it's uh it's beautiful to look at it's to me it's it's her first um it's her it, to me it's 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 kind of the first performance she gives that i wonder if another actress had given it or had been in that movie if this movie would have just been ignored yeah i think nicole's kidman presence nicole's kidman's presence in this movie mm-hmm. elevated it above uh, so many other horror movies that kind of get put in theaters, liked by certain groups, but ignored. But because I, because of her, because of the twist, because of the aesthetics of it, it's you know Stone Cold classic. Yeah. I think it's also interesting too, in such a weird like you know Hollywood machinations way. The idea that like that film happens because Vanilla Sky is a remake of the Spanish film Los and, yeah, yeah. and and that director directs the others and right. Cruz Wagner produces the others yes. yeah but it all yep. comes out after their divorce yeah <laughs> it's like it's it's all just it's great <laughs> it's just great that's another one we did an episode on that one uh for the had Oscar buzz uh which one the, the, others, the others or oh. the others yeah. yeah um cuz that didn't end up getting any Oscar nominations obviously but she was buzzed for that she yep. was that and Moulin Rouge, she was like, yeah. there was a big question as to whether she was going to cancel herself out because she was, get, you know, campaigned for the both of them that whole year. But that's I, interesting yeah, because uh, I remember that year fairly well. Um, and to me, maybe I was not quite as hooked in as I thought I was, but Moulin, both of those movies kind of felt like uh, outsiders to the game, right? Yes, they didn't. They, were. they didn't seem like they were they they were set up in such a way where people really thought they were going to get Oscar nominations. And I remember reading the Entertainment Weekly uh, preview where Moulin Rouge was, you know, tapped for all these awards. I couldn't believe it. I thought that was, you know, just a movie Well, up way. until that nomination morning, people still thought that it was going to maybe be a little bit too strange for the Academy yeah. and that it wouldn't, like that Best Picture nomination was really in question up until that very last minute. And uh, also, yeah. Whereas the the others also felt like it was outside of the Academy's purview, but that kind of performance yeah. has been nominated for the you know the entire Oscars. 
And so, I think because the Sixth I mean, Sense as, had, did, had been such a success yes. only a couple of years before that. Yes. And that was, it was released around the exact same time of the year, that like late August mm-hmm. uh, release. So there was a lot of comparisons there. And yeah. It was also, I mean, it's funny because both of them were also just kind of box office hits, right? Like both of the the others and Moulin Rouge, both of them did quite well at the box office. Um, The others was a surprise. Like that was a sleeper movie, if I remember correctly. That that was one of those, like, I remember it came out and I remember thinking like, okay, and then like word of mouth. Don't don't forget, she wasn't really this enormous star until after that year. Right. So, you know, that was really the the big year for her. Um, Yeah. We'll get, I'm yeah. sure we'll all talk about Moulin we'll, Rouge. We'll talk about Moulin Rouge. Uh, what's your number four, Joe? Uh, my number four is actually Rabbit Hole, uh, uh, oh, the wow. 2010 film Rabbit Hole, um, directed by John Cameron Mitchell, who was yeah. adapting from uh, David Lindsay Abair's play, which was, I believe, won a Tony Award for Cynthia Nixon when it was on Broadway. Um uh, yeah, like Kenny had said before, Nicole plays this uh, sort of grieving mother. She and Aaron Eckhart are married and and they've before the movie starts they've had a kid who dies and miles teller plays the teenager who uh caused the car accident that uh, that killed the kid and she and him have some really really great scenes towards the end of that movie where they kind of you know come to terms with it and he his character has sort of drawn this comic book this like really kind of beautifully abstract kind of thing um that they sort of like connect through and she's just really fantastic in it. Diane Weist plays her mother and there's a couple really, there's a scene in it where, cause Diane Weist as her mother um, also lost a kid, Kidman's character's brother who was like a, a drug addict and he had died and there's tension between them cause Diane Weist always wants to talk about it and, and Kidman doesn't. And there's a scene in there where Kidman or where Weist um, compares grief to like carrying a brick around in your pocket that is just so well written and just impeccably delivered by Diane Weist. It's really, she's one, Kidman gets the Oscar nomination for that. I'm kind of still puzzled by why Diane Weist didn't get any mm. attention for that for supporting actors. That feels like, I remember when that film came out, I was very excited for it. And also, I mean, fascinated by John Cameron Mitchell's career. <laughs> just fascinated yes. by choices Absolutely. that he's made uh he he's a phenomenal actor uh and a phenomenal director um but uh i remember when that film came out and on an oscar level i think we can all safely say that like sometimes a movie can just be too hard to watch yeah. like where the academy oh, yeah. is just like this is too hard like i yeah. i can't do this it and happens all the time it happens all the time right where a film is just like unrelenting in what yeah. they're trying to show you and yeah. the Academy just shuts off. And I think that that's one of those films. That's very possible. Yeah. Not that it's not great. I just think it's, it's so harrowing and it's yes. so, like, it's just the idea of like the emotions I, that it's sort of asking you to sit in. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, my number three is to die for. Uh, I, I, as I mentioned, saw it relatively recently holds up incredibly well. Um, Cronenberg's cameo at the end is fantastic, uh, as the mafioso that kills Nicole Kidman at the end. Spoiler. Um, it's, uh, it's an unbelievably funny, dark comedy that I think, uh, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, Kenny and I talked about Heathers. We're going to talk about War of the Roses as well. Um, nice. You know, there, 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 there's this kind of rarefied air of just truly great dark comedies that just nail mm-hmm. tone. And yeah. everyone knows the right, everyone knows the movie they're in. Everyone's just absolutely killing it. Um, and that's just one of those films for me where I just feel like um, 
And it's actually the movie for me. And I, when we're done these five, I do want to talk about sort of like from 30,000 Feet Nicole Kidman's career because it is bizarre yeah. and really interesting. But this is the movie for me where, where I realized, oh, fuck, she's really funny. Like yeah. she can be really, yes, really yes, funny. Yes. Yes. And, and yeah, just getting that I think is, is tremendous. But what's yeah. your three, Kenny? My three is also to die for. Yeah, uh, nice. I love to die for. I've seen it. Dozens of times. It's just, it was, you know, a movie that was always on and I, I, I never turned off. It spoke to me. I mean, you guys have both talked about why it's so great, but yeah. uh, things about media, um, things about, you know, crimes, go, crimes gone bad, uh, things about small towns like that. It, the, the, it, just, it just coalesced into something that I always, you know, was, was found appealing. And then... Nicole Kidman's performance was a bit of a revelation for me, too, because in my mind, I think this is pretty much who she was at the time. Because I didn't see Malice until I was older. She was a period piece yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Right? A period piece and often a foreign period or period piece yeah. set in a foreign country. So mm-hmm. for her to play someone so American yep. and contemporary and bubbly and, you know, kind of sexy in a very weather girl kind of way yeah. uh was really a, a, a shock for for me um then and a revelation to me now i think she's I, not that i want her to make more movies like that at this point in her career i think she's obviously you know found her lane and, and writes her writes her you know own ticket whatever she wants but uh would have liked more movies like that yeah i think, yeah, I, I think that um it, it, it's also the beginning it feels like of hollywood not really sure what to do with her when it comes to comedies, right? Like right. the the two right. big swings and misses are obviously Stafford Wives and Bewitched. Those are the yes. two things where they're just like, oh, sh- can she do this? I actually weirdly rewatched the Stafford Wives just recently. And the oh, first yeah. bit of that movie, when it's basically kind of just skewering doing network again, she's really yeah. good at that. The movie just goes way off the fucking rails after that, but. Yeah. She could do anything. It's not her. It's, no, I know. It's, I know. It's, at some point in the early 2000s, they just, you know, recognize that she's one of the biggest actresses and most yeah. bankable people in the world. And we're going to give her those $20 million projects. Yeah. And yeah. that's yeah. what they look like. They're stuff yeah. from wives of bewitched and it's yeah. garbage. Yeah. But I think that, that to die for was 94, I think. Right. And I think she was nominated yeah. for an Oscar, 95. right, Joe? Yeah. 95. 95. 95. She was not. That was the big thing. She, she got a Golden won Globe. won the Golden Globe. Yeah. yeah she right. won the Golden Globe, but did not get the Oscar. Nomination. So I think this was this was the 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 period when Hollywood started to say, "What exactly do we have here?" Yes, yes. you know, like that that because she, I I'm a to this day, it's kind of surprised she was even cast in that role. But what do we have here? What can we do with this? Like, this is not something. This is not a a pitch we thought she had. So, no, I um, I I think you really hit something there, Kenny. Of this did not feel like a movie that like. I remember when it came out. I remember seeing it in the theater with my mom, actually. I don't quite know why, but I did. Uh, I remember really liking it. But I also, to your point, Kenny, feel like Nicole Kidman's in this movie? Like, what, how, yeah. did, how, did, how did this happen? This would right. have been Which, a yeah. good Michelle Pfeiffer performance. You know? She would have nailed way more. Yes. Yeah. And it seems way more so the kind of thing she yes. was doing or was kind of called upon to do more often. For sure. But, for sure. You know, the, the innocence that Kidman brought to it was really kind of important. Totally. Too. What's your three, yeah. Joe? 
My number three is Moulin Rouge, which I just love. It's so, I mean, at this point, it's, you know, faves on faves from, you know, this point (laughs) to the top of my list. But it's so great. Um, It's just, I, it's one of those movies that I can sort of turn on at any part of the movie and, uh, and sort of keep watching. It's, uh, the songs are fantastic. She's such a superstar performance. Um, the, that elephant love medley that her and McGregor does is like one of my favorite scenes in movies ever. It's just so fantastic. And she sells just like these really like crazy turns of mood in that Mm -hmm. one from like sort of like manic comedy to, uh, to obviously the singing and to melodrama. And as Kenny said earlier, she dies of consumption. Gotta love a movie. Like one of the Mm -hmm. all time top five, um, coughs into a napkin and you see a streak oh, of sure. blood yeah. kind of sure. yeah. where, where, where that screen drafts list is, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yes. But I, 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 Moulin Rouge is my number two. Um, so I'll talk about it here yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's what's amazing about that movie, you, you actually just said it best, but, you know, Spectacular Spectacular and also dies with consumption, right? Yes. Like that yeah. she can, that she can, that she can bounce on her feet in a manic, like, you know, yep crazy overcranked musical sequence and yeah. then die in Christian's arms at the end and breaks your heart. Yeah. I mean, she could do anything like that. That, it's, that is, I mean, it's, it, it really is the movie that proves like, Oh, this woman is capable of truly, this person is capable of doing absolutely anything. Yeah. It's the best movie ever made. It's not, it's obviously not, my, <laughs> it's obviously not my number, my number two for obvious yes, reasons. Sure. So sure. Sure. Never put the best movie ever made at number two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut is number two. Sure, sure. Maybe the second best movie ever made. Don't know. Sure, sure. But uh, there's not there's four stars. There's nothing bad to say about Eyes Wide, Eyes Wide yeah. Shut. We did in our first ever episode. Um, and it's uh, the fucking coolest. I wanted to, did that get nominations? Is that qualify for your show? Nope. It would qualify for our show. We should probably do it at some point. So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a 10 out of 10. So it's, it's the, the this had Oscar buzz. Yeah, we had, we, well, and it's a really interesting Oscar story, obviously, because yeah. obvi- there was a lot of expectation on it. And mm-hmm. I mean, you guys covered it, you know, when you guys did it, and just the way that it was sort of talked about in the press, and that kind of you know doomed it for uh, for a while. Like there was a while before it kind of got a reappraisal. And uh, ninety nine yeah. was for whatever reason, you know, we're the experts. Uh, not the right year for it. It just there's just something about the environment at that point that was not open to awarding a movie like that or a movie like you know bringing out the dead or there are yep, a lot of movies yep. that we've right. done yep. that in other years I think particularly you know years before ninety nine mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. maybe after yep. maybe in the two twenty tens would have been huge Oscar players but it's just they. they it was more on the culture was just more on this like flashy shit. And don't get me wrong. I fucking love the flashy shit. Yeah. I love being John Malkovich and they, it's an important movie to me and I'm crazy about it. But like that was the standard bearer at that moment of time, not a movie like eyes wide shut. And again, I, now people say it's, you know, and right. I would agree one, one of Kubrick's best films and it clearly yeah. is. So it's what's number two what, for me. What's your two Joe? My number two is The Others, um, which for reasons why we talked about before, I think it's just incredibly perfectly, like Alejandro Amenabar, the director, is so mm-hmm. good at doing the haunted house thing. Like that's a movie that's been imitated 
a billion times. Anytime you see a movie yep. with, you know, a an English manor and, you know, a, <laughs> a, a, you know, a widow or whatever, like some, you know, apparition in the corner, like they're all <laughs> trying to be the others and, totally you know, agree. who wouldn't want to be. It's just so good. Kidman's fantastic. The rules of that movie are really like well drawn or whatever the thing about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you can't open, you can't open a door in the room without closing the other door and all the stuff with the curtains. And then the reveal that it comes to it's just it's really fantastic it's a it's a, I, now i gotta i need to rewatch the others i haven't seen it in a, in a really long time um my so my number one's eyes wait shut seems like that might be joe's and moulin rouge is your number one obviously kenny no Correct. eyes wide shut isn't my number one we haven't oh it's about not yet yeah, oh shit so. okay okay well, my apologies um let me yeah. just talk about eyes wide shut real quick i don't know what it, i'm now i'm curious um yeah, I Eyes Wide Shut, we talked about it obviously in our episode. I'm not going to go into a whole thing about it, but but on the Oscar side of things, I do think that that film was was hurt by expectations, hurt by being released in July, this idea that they thought it was going to be some big summer blockbuster, like a very strange <laughs> right. like right. At, at two hours and 40 minutes, it's like right. a intellectually cold, sexual sort of movie right. about like repression. Like it's, it's just like why anybody thought that this thing was going to be a hit. It just wasn't, um, it just wasn't the right time. It's I'm the just wrong time. You, it just wasn't the right time for this movie. I, I there's, but I know. hear you. I'm not suggesting that it, that it was. I'm speaking of whether or not this film could have found a slightly bigger audience had it not been sort of this cavalcade of, of rumors and magazine covers and this idea that like yeah. everyone wants to see Tom and Nicole having sex when basically they make out in a mirror for 30 seconds. Right. And that's that's really why people that thought it would be a blockbuster. They were like, well, who wouldn't want to see Tom and Nicole have sex? And I'm like, I'm not sure. A that's- lot of people. <laughs> but like, but clearly that didn't, uh, you yeah. know, that yeah. wasn't the appeal of the movie. Like and yeah. yeah. So right. what's I'm, your number I'm one, Joe? Dying to know Joe's number yeah. one. Mulan, I'll do Mulan original fast. It's my favorite yeah. movie, the best movie I've ever made. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect start. To, it's not I, it, for a long period of my time. It was my answer for my favorite movie ever made. Great. I, I've I've accepted that it's actually Field of Dreams in a uh, dangerous liaison. In a, a twist, no one saw coming. Love we it. Weekend of Bernie's Bernie's kind of <laughs> thing. I've accepted that Field of Dreams is my favorite movie, but yeah. Moulin Rouge, I think, is uh, is is the is the most movie, and I mean that in the best, the best way. I always yeah. felt like like. It is, it is everything cinema is capable of doing, uh, and it does it all at a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Totally. Um, crazy yep. about the film. All right, Joe. What's your number one? I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and nothing against Eyes Wide Shut, which probably lands in the like, you know, six to eight range for me. I think it's a fantastic movie. Um, mine's The Hours. It's maybe my favorite movie. It's wow. Whoa. This is, and so if you, if, Podcast listeners want to, you know, listen. Very for, excited for screen for, drafts now. I was going to say, you yeah. want to listen to me talk about the hours. This is your month to do it, apparently, because uh, That's, I'm on wow, every podcast okay. doing it. I just, I just love it. It's, I've watched it so many times. I'm such a fan of actresses that, oh. like the the, you know, the cavalcade of actresses in that movie. But like Kidman and Streep, it's maybe my favorite Meryl Streep's performance ever. Um, Julianne Moore is so good. The it it. This is sort of what I said, you know, not to repeat myself from screen drafts too much, but like it's accumulated this reputation for being the bad kind of Oscar bait. And I just, yeah. I think it's, I think it's been done, been done such a disservice by that. I think it, it tells a really, really fascinating story 
about women across different time periods. The way the movie connects them is, I think, very smart and very uh, sort of intuitive in a lot of ways. And it just, every time I see it, there's some new little thing that I really love, whether it's, you know, a costume choice or a, a line delivery or something. And it's a movie that's sort of spoken to me differently as I've sort of grown up, which is kind of cool. And I think it's, it's got a lot of really interesting things about how people live their lives and who they live their lives for, which is really cool. And um, I just think it's incredibly well-written and well-acted and I love it. You know, you're, yeah, I got to watch The Hours again because I, I watched it once uh, back when it was a big Oscar player. Um, yeah. And I remember, unfortunately, feeling like it fell into the cat at the aforementioned category of just sort of like, oh, this sure, is sure. Oscar bait, what have you. Um, I think I think Daldry's another guy as well who unfortunately kind of gets dinged a fair amount. I mean, he's yeah. made some mistakes. Um, yes. But yeah, it's... it's uh, it, I think I think she's tremendous. I just want to say this one quick thing about her, just her career. I've always been a Nicole Kidman fan. Um, not always, but like certainly to die for is when she really got her hooks in me and I've really kind of been on the ride ever since. Yeah. Um, I love how fearless she is, it seems like. She's willing to take big swings and take big, you know, kind of weird roles. Yeah. Um, she is one of sort of the few big bona fide movie stars that's willing to do that. There's not a ton of them that are willing to use their clout to get something made, to make a birth, to make a fur, to make oh, like, yeah. I mean, like yeah. to make just weird Dogville, movies. like Dogville. she's worked yeah. with like some really yeah. incredible directors and really and daring think, directors. And yeah. I think a lot of that comes from Eyes Wide Shut. I think that that was sort of that real kind of moment for her where she really went down the rabbit hole, no pun intended, no with pun intended. Kubrick on that yeah. film. Yeah. And I think that she came out on the other side of that desperately wanting to push herself. And I think yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you guys had the hours and cold mountain on your list, because I think that's that period where people started to feel like, uh, you have a prestige movie, you, you put, put Kidman Nicole in. Kidman in it. Yeah. And yeah. I do think that period of her career is looked back, uh, looked back on as, you know, not the brightest moment in her career, but the thing about Oscar bait films is that they're often very good. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, yes. <laughs> I think uh, I think that uh, I, I want to go back and watch both of those because I haven't seen either one since the year they came out, um, and you both have uh, have piqued my interest. Joe, I wanted to ask you one last thing before we let you go. Yes, have have you done a 1989 film yet? Oh yes, we've done uh, uh, several, in fact. Although now I'm trying to think of uh, <laughs> them off the top of my head. Give me a second to bring up uh, yeah, our course, little. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in yeah, so uh, in in what had Oscar buzz in '89 and did oh, not. Oh, uh, '99. Oh, sorry, '89. You're saying um, '99? I figured. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, you've yeah. Done sorry, '99. Um, I we must have. So when we get into this period. This is when it gets a little uh, tougher to sort of pinpoint the Oscar buzz narratives around it. This is sort of, um, we can like sort of like, you know, look stuff up and whatever, but a lot of our podcast comes from our own sort of experiential, uh, you know, memories of these years. Was sure. Bonfire of the Vanities 89? No. no. If only. It was 90? <laughs> it was 90, I believe. Uh, I think that was 90. Yeah. So our only, uh, 
are the two oldest movies that we've ever done on the show are Bonfire of the Vanities and Nuts, which is 87. That's the uh, Barbara Streisand, um, Richard Dreyfuss movie. But yes. um, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So no 89s. Um, yeah. Bonfire Interesting. Interesting. What, one I, one I, I wonder that we've done mm-hmm. that might yeah. fall into this category is always. It's oh, up. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I don't yeah. know if you want. To, I don't know if you want. To, you, you want to take a trip to Dreyfusville? But, uh, <laughs> that's that's yeah. the closest thing I can think of that we've done, Phil. But I'm sure there are Ghost other, Dreyfus. Just, just yeah, I'm sure there's some Dreyfus. other other films that were uh, that were Oscar buzzy that didn't make the cut. I mean, but, I'm um, trying to. I'm actually going to just uh, pull up our thing here because I'm. I am. I do feel like. I mean, Fabulous Baker Boys did get some nominations so obviously that doesn't apply but i do feel like um we had like uh hold on one quick second here it is um yeah i feel like i mean lean on me he got a nomination for that right did he did no he did not get no because morgan freeman in 89 got nominated for driving miss daisy yeah of course of course so yeah so you've got you've got lean on me which is definitely up i maybe maybe kenny as a, I as as yeah, it's Jewison. So I could see that yeah, that yeah. having uh, Oscar buzz. I think that's, you know, hey, look, I don't want to yeah. tell you to your podcast, but I think a lot of this stuff starts from right. there are certain directors that are always going to have yes. a certain yes. level of Oscar buzz associated with their projects. Yes. I think, Jew, I mean, Jewison won for In the Heat of the Night. Yes. Uh, yes. So yes. 69, 20 years ago, that's, that seems like, he, and, and another movie about, you know, racial politics in the inner city. I, mm-hmm. I could see that being something that people are like, yeah, if this, if this turns out the right way. Like, yeah. yeah. Although I, I, now that I think of it, I think Jewison definitely won best picture for in the heat of the night, but I think he might've that was 67. It was, yeah, so it was so not that was the year Mike Nichols won director for the graduate. So like picture okay. and director split that year. Because that was all that great Mark Harris book uh, about that year. Um, right. Yeah. I, I I'll like say that. that I'll say that one movie that I feel like um that we have covered that I know did get an Oscar nomination, so it doesn't count, but does feel like a movie that I'm surprised didn't get more was Steel Magnolias. Yes. Um, right. That's gets the Julia those, nomination. It gets yeah. the Julia nomination, which I which you know is understandable. Um yes. but with that cast, like that's a that's a movie I'm surprised didn't get a Best Picture nomination. Like I'm, I'm kind of surprised yes. that it wasn't like a big Oscar yeah. player. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's kind of a weird year. We're we're, we're going to do an episode with um with Eric Anderson about the '89 Oscars. So nice. we'll do that eventually. But um, looking at the nominees, looking at that year, it's just it's a it's it's a weird year. It's a little bit of an outlier year. Yes. Although I was sort of looking because uh, I looked up the National Board of Review top 10 for that year. Because sure. sometimes that has some good like Oscar buzz that doesn't make it. Almost everything on that list that year got a nomination of some way. Huh. It was like crimes and misdemeanors and uh, and uh, um, glory, you know, like all the big sort of, you know, movies from that year, Born on the Fourth of July and right. Dead Poets Society and My Left Foot. All You know, those right. all end up, ended up with Oscar nominations. So. The movie I've never seen, and I don't, I, I mean, maybe we'll cover it on this podcast. I'm not sure. That has a, that got a bunch of nominations is Enemies, A Love Story. I don't even know yes. what that movie is. Do you know what that movie is, Kenny? Have you ever heard of Enemies, no. A Love Story? I mean, I only, it's a Paul Mazursky it, movie. That's such a title, uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a good title. <laughs> I don't, I don't, it's a, it, it's a title that sticks in your head. You yeah. know what I mean? I like that's, that's all the, Yeah, you, I don't know if it's a good title, but it's a title you don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> I've just Nina never Olin's even heard of it. only Oscar nomination. Yeah, 
it's, yeah, yeah. it's you got a bunch of nominations, but yeah. Anyway, um, I love Joe, talking Oscars, and I we'll, love having you on the pod, Joe. Thank you, thank you for thank coming you on our Patreon. Yeah, uh, thank you for coming on the Patreon. Everyone should listen to your podcast. Um, thank you. It had on. I'm going to fire up that screen screen draft right now. And yes, uh, so we'll we, buckle in because it's a it's a long one. But yes. Baby fish mouth. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.